Blog Talk Radio. final two games. Canes Nation, we are back in the office. Tonight, as we approach a new year, it's time for some therapy. Time to just get everything off your chest. After Tuesday night's 37-34 loss to Oklahoma State in Orlando, there really is not much spin that can be put on the way the Hurricanes ended what, for a long time, was a relatively glorious 2020 football season. But the Canes finally had a play some decent teams. 
and the results were not very good. You could try to focus on the forward progress of an eight-win season, and I think we did for a very long time. But let's be honest, and, and, and we all know this. Who did the Hurricanes really beat this season? NC State, okay, Virginia. Average teams and a very average ACC. But when the level of competition was legit, like it was against Clemson early this season, and then like it was against North Carolina, like it was to a, even a lesser extent last night in Orlando against Oklahoma State, the Canes were not up to the challenge. When the level of competition was legit, the Canes were not. And that has left the Canes nation in a miserable, miserable, miserable mood tonight as we convene for the final Canes Sport Live show of 2020. Where does Miami go from here? That's going to be the theme tonight as we begin a new edition of Canes Sport Live presented this evening by JFQ Lending, your full-service mortgage provider licensed in more than 40 states. Hello again, everybody. I'm Gary Furman, the publisher of Canesport.com, and we welcome you once again to Canesport Live. As always, this is your show. It'll be driven by your participation. The call-in number is 563-999-3550. That's 563-999-3550. Over 100 open phone lines, plenty of room for everybody to call in and participate. By now, you know the drill. You hit the one on your keypad. If you would like to come on the show, that puts you in the queue, and we bring you on the show in the order that you land in the queue. So I've spent pretty much the majority of the last 20 hours with a few hours of sleep built in on the message boards at canesport.com in our traditional post-game question and answer thread. And uh, man, there was a lot of, a lot of heat in that, in that thread this week for understandable reasons. A lot of really good points, a lot of really good questions. So I'm expecting tonight's show to be real solid and animated. So um, let's make that commitment to each other to, to keep it that way. And um, I'm going to go right to your calls because we have so much to unpack tonight. Again, the number 563-999-3550, 563-999-3550. You hit the one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. And we are beginning tonight in the 786, where you're live on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing this evening? Gary, my friend, how are you? What's up, everything? I had a feeling you were going to be first this week. I don't know why. I just I just knew you were chomping uh, at the bit. Well, just wanted to, to convey to everybody. I hope so far everyone's had a good, healthy, and happy holiday thus far. We And I'm wishing everybody a happy new year and a healthy new year as well. And hopefully that... Uh, Things settle in for this for this world and for this country, especially Gary. But uh, moving on to, um, and also thank you for providing this opportunity for all of us to, you know, once a week chime in with you guys and listen to all the great guests you bring on board. It's a great show, so thanks, Gary. Well, thank you for being part um, of it. I, I wanted to point something out. I, you know, I, I, I've used this term "blind ass fan" many, many times over the years on. on on Kane Sport Live, and I've always said, you know, we're all guilty of it. You know, we all, you know, we're all guilty of being, you know, somewhat uh, 
impatient and and somewhat intolerable at times. And I, I just I, I was so upset last night. I, I lost a perspective. Um, there's a kid that probably I mean as, as upset as I was, there's a kid that's probably never going to have a chance to play again. And he left everything out in the field, makes the announcement that he's coming back. Um, you know, in life, Gary, if you've had a chance to teach, to coach, to be a part of of mentoring someone, be a part of that process, you see kids grow. And then there's some kids that, man, they, they make all the right choices off the field. They work their butts off in that, in that weight room, and in that locker room, they, in that film room. They give everything. And, you know, life's unfair. That's the one thing. That's, a, that's always a constant that I've always tried to preach to our kids. But you talk about a kid not deserving what happened to him last night, especially after everything he's endured. And with that, you know, I lost perspective last night. And my godson called me uh, right before midnight. He says, says, Uncle, Uncle, I I can't believe, you know, how upset you are. The main thing you taught us was to enjoy the opportunity, the moment that you get. And this kid gave everything to this program. And his teammates did exactly what, all you guys teach is what we teach our kids, which is to rally around <clears throat> your brothers when things go bad. The guys that are right next to you, you know, your family. When the when the crap hits the fan, be there for them. And I and I lost sight of that last night, Gary. I really did. I was upset with uh, Nicosia at one point. I was upset with the play calling, and it's just like I lost perspective. So uh, again, man, I I just uh, if you would have told me this time last year after leaving Louisiana that we were going to be eight and three and we would lose these three games. I'd be lying to you if I didn't say, and I think most people would be lying to you. They didn't say, yeah, I'll, I'll take that over six and seven. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you. I mean, it's to be, you know, if you look back at, at what I wrote before the season started, it, this, it, this played out like I identical to to, to what I really felt going into the year, I felt this would be a you know a, a nine win football team that but that was based on um, on one extra game. So um, I saw that I, I felt it would be a three loss team this year, which which I saw as an improvement from a seven loss team a year ago, and that's why you know and we got a couple guys on the message boards today you know coming at me and like they they want me to go all crazy again like I did last year and they you know want me to start demanding that people get fired and this or that like I, I how can you sit here after a year like this whether you believe that the coronavirus is real or a hoax or whatever you believe politically and all that stuff like how can you sit here after what's been going on for the last 6 7 8 months and like like think like that you know, I just, I certainly can't. And, uh, you know, I recognize that, that there was an enormous amount of things that got better this year. And yeah, De'Ara King is responsible for a lot of it. And, you know, so is Jalen Phillips and so is Quincy Roche. And yeah, transfers that propped up a not very good roster. There, there's no argument there at all. And no, that's not sustainable. And we saw last night, what it not being sustainable might mean moving forward. But 
it doesn't change the fact that, that what happened happened, and this program did take a step forward. It did build on it with a decent recruiting class this year, and yeah, it's in question whether Manny Diaz is going to be here two, three years from now to see it through. I, no argument for me on that. Like, you know, you know, Manny's going to have to prove that he can be a head coach and he, and, and that's going to involve winning a lot of these games, not losing every single one of them. I mean, Miami loses to every legitimate team it plays down. And obviously that's going to have to change. And yeah, there's no guarantee Manny's going to be able to do that, but I'm not going to sit here right now and start after an eight and three season, you know, regardless of who they beat and start yelling that Manny Diaz needs to be fired because I, number one, I don't believe that right now. Um, and it wouldn't be appropriate. So, you know, I just, I just think that, you know, that, that everybody has to take a deep breath. It doesn't mean that you excuse what happened. You don't. You don't make excuses for it. Um, but I, I think, you know, you just got to take a little bit of a deep breath here and, and, uh, and just you know, let things play out. And then the other thing I'll say to what you just said about the Eric King is, you know, we, have, we do not know yet. I just checked on it before the show. Uh, there's no prognosis yet. We do not know what the future holds for the Eric King as a football player. But I know one thing from what I've seen of that kid in the time that he's been in Miami is whether he's an athlete or not an athlete, that kid's going to find some way to be successful. He has every intangible that you could want from a leadership standpoint. He's well-spoken and he, I, I feel pretty com- comfortable saying that the university of Miami is going to honor his education and make sure he gets his degrees and graduate, hopefully get graduate degrees or whatever he wants to do. And uh, he's going to go on in some way, shape or form to have a good future either way. Uh, you know, the origin of the concerns that we're having now, it goes back to what we talked about two years ago when the decision was made to, to that Blake made, <laughs> and that's not going to go away. And I'm always going to stick to my guns that he's still not the right guy uh, to lead this program. He'd be a great secondary guy, uh, and not to bring not bringing Alonzo, that's going to still cost us. And and here we are a year later, eight and three, and I get all that, but we still didn't even know what type of impact Ed Reed's going to have where it matters the most, and that's with Manny. So in the next couple of days, what I'm looking forward to for confirmation, for validation, that he is a critical component of this program in terms of decision-making leadership, I want to see what type of impact comes about in the next few days in terms of who and what changes are made. But more specifically, Joaquin Gonzalez today shared some information on Twitter, which is what you and I talked about last year when I, when I gave you that scoop about Alonzo, which I believe was in October, and it's pretty much the same type of source. And so I, I, I consider it a very legitimate source in that there really isn't much that Ed can do because Manny's going to do whatever he wants to do anyway. And, and that is, that's not just something that was mentioned last year, being mentioned once again this year. And when you look at the impact, the availability, Ed's not around. And it, it kind of contradicts what you shared a while back that he wants to coach. He's got so many – Yeah, but, but I hear mixed elsewhere. things on that, everything. I, some people say he wants to coach, and then other people tell me he does not want to coach. There is no chance that he has the time right. and is willing to put in the time the coaches put in. Right. And, and with that comes to mind that the reason why he was selected was because – he wouldn't be that impactful. He'd be in a situation where, uh, in appearance, it looks like he is, but technically he really isn't. 
and hopefully that will or not be that that will or not be valid in the next few few days based on whatever decisions Manny goes forward with with, with his staff. Um, mm-hmm. So that's one thing I wanted to bring out as well. What did what did Joaquin uh, looking, post on Twitter? I didn't see it. What did he What did he say? Basically alluding to the fact that you know you know the good Lord Himself can be in, in the football operations room uh, down at Hex, but if Manny's not going to listen to God, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who's there. If the guy's not going to listen, it doesn't matter. Um, and, and what was really weird last night, when I looked at all the reps the kids got on all the positions, I mean, the young guys didn't get reps. They got very few reps. Um, Peyton, the kid from Duval, where the hell is he? The kid, Chance Williams, didn't get a rep. I mean, it's, it's like we, we're not there, so we don't know. But you mean to tell me those kids couldn't have contributed? Navon Donaldson got two reps, Gary. I yeah, mean, I know. You know, he, 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 here's the thing, and, and here's where I struggle with this, because, like, you know, we're all mad. You know, we're all mad out here, and we're all skeptical out here and, 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 and all that. But, I mean, at some point, like, I got to re- respect the coaches who are at practice every day with these kids. And, you know, if, if Rhett Lashley um, is making a decision, you know, on who's going to start at wide receiver for him, like, I know Rhett Lashley is, is trying to be the best goddamn offense in America. Like, he's not sitting there, like, trying to, to not score as many points as he can. This guy's got a future that, that, that could be paved with success if he puts up points and, and, and offense. And, and so I feel comfortable, based on what I've seen of him, that he's putting the best guys on the field that he could put on the field. And, you know, so we're watching Pope and Wiggins and these kids just, like, dropping ball after ball and having a really – really tough night and then you look and you see Wiggins played 63 snaps last night you know and 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 Pope played 70 and and you're saying to yourself what you know what the heck you know and you know Keyshawn Smith comes in and flashes and you see he only got 15 Michael Redding had eight snaps Um, and you have these young kids that aren't really getting an opportunity to impact the game and the guys that we're watching flub it all up are I'm playing 70 plays and yeah, of course it's our instinct to say these coaches, you know, blame the coaches and, 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 you know, they don't know what they're doing and they're not playing the best players and all that. But what if they're playing the best players? Like, you, you know, know it's, like, like I have to believe that if they're giving Mark Pope and D Wiggins 63 and 70 snaps, that they wholeheartedly believe those are their best two guys along with Harley. Harley only had 45 last night well and, and, and listen not being in that same situation but in, in a comparable one you know we're the ones that see day in and day out hour by hour minute by minute what these kids do and don't do so taking that into account and and what their responsibilities are off off the field taking that into account you see a kid brian ballum he starts because someone else is being disciplined we see accountability at times, but it's not, it's not spread out through the, uh, the entire program. I mean, I'm sorry. You go ahead and you drop a ball, you sit. You go ahead and you cost us a touchdown, and, my, and, the, and, the, and the best player on our team 
suffers a, a career potential career-ending knee injury, your ass is sitting. I got Navon Donaldson right behind your ass. I don't fucking need you. And it's not the first time the kid makes the same fucking mistake on the same play. 53's made this same mistake several freaking times, and they never sit his ass. And it's like, you, you, you look back, and you're like, you can't have accountability based on the situation. It's, a, it's part of your blueprint. Okay, but, but everything, you're, but, but wait a minute, time out. You're a coach, okay? I know you've coached your Retired. whole life. I know, but you've coached. Like, you understand coaching, yes, whether it's women's softball, whatever the hell you've been doing. Like, you understand coaching. So here's my question. As a coach, have you ever made a decision that you didn't think was in the best interest of your team winning the game that day? So, and, I, and I, I'm going to answer for you. The answer is no, you never have. So here's the thing. Like, Garen Justice is deciding what offensive lineman is, is he's going to put on the field. Like, he's not leaving Navon Donaldson over here on the bench because he doesn't think Ja'Kai Clark is the better guy to be in there. And, yeah, we're watching Ja'Kai Clark screw up, and we're saying, what the hell's going on? Why isn't Donaldson in there? But would you agree as a coach that he's making that decision for a reason? Uh, yeah, I've lost pl- – I've, you know, I've been, a, been a part of the problem in terms of losing players, not retaining players, because we did sit them. Because whoever's executing is who's going to play. And like I said, we're not there in practice, so we don't know. But the game itself, throughout the course of a game, there are accountability opportunities. And if you screw up, you're going to sit a series. I'm not telling you're not going to play again, but regroup your mind, get refocused, and figure out where you need to be mentally. Because somewhere, somehow, something is distracting you because your performance proves so. And these are the components of coaching that we don't see (laughs) – we, we, we don't see across the board with this program, with how Manny has this program. So, again, he's learning. He's growing. I know Dabo didn't figure it out after year two either as a head coach. Okay, it takes a while. I'm just yeah, but we, gotta, we, got every, we, gotta, we collectively in this fan base got to stop with this Dabo bullshit. You know, it, it's like enough with the Dabo. Uh, Manny's going to be Dabo. I mean, it, it, come on. It, like, well, it, you can't you – can't, and I'm not saying not, you do this. I'm not saying you do this, but I mean, it, that's like the people that the, 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 the rallying cry for people that want to support Manny. And I think everybody wants to support a winning Manny, but Manny hasn't been a winning Manny to this point in his head coaching career. And well, he hasn't beaten anybody yet. Okay. I mean, he hasn't, he hasn't, but here's my point. Like, this, oh, he's going to be the next Dabo who, who, who blossomed in his fifth year. Are you kidding me? You think this fan base is going to sit around and wait five years to, 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 to figure out whether Manny can possibly beat Oklahoma State? That's not even a good Oklahoma State team. They're, they're, they're okay. That, that was an okay team. That, I, I would equate them to NC State, you know, what we saw from NC State during the year maybe. Very or, yeah. Right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah, very like, comfortable to this. Yes, absolutely. Some part. So you, some part. Some part. Yeah, absolutely. So you think this fan base is going to sit around for three more years of this? And well, well you're going to have to because there's no money. There's Jerry. There's no money, and with the pandemic and the amount of the revenue, okay, that this school and this conference has lost based on this pandemic, has put us in a in a precarious situation where you can't. We're not Auburn. There aren't four big, big-time dogs that are all billionaires like the four guys at Auburn. There's no Phil Knight here that we can go ahead and write a check tomorrow and it's not an issue. We don't have that luxury. We're going to have to sit 
And that's why this is like Every, my, my everything. Let me, st- let me let me let me stop you again for a minute, and I apologize. But like, do you know no how worries. much wealth? Do you know how much wealth is on the University of Miami Board of Trustees? I mean, do you know how wealthy some of those people are? If the University of Miami had to come up with four million dollars or something to buy out Manny Diaz, and then maybe another four million to go buy out a, a coach's contract somewhere and try to straighten this thing out. You don't think they could raise that money in about five seconds if they needed to? They absolutely could. The problem is nobody holds those people's foot to the fire. Those people don't contribute five cents to athletics in, for the most part. Correct. The people that are at I the top. I share that with you, but yeah. Yeah, yeah the I people at the top. The, 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 the people, the people that have the power at this university right. don't support athletics. Don't but that doesn't mean they can't everything. They can. No. They, so they let's can, not excuse they that either. That, that doesn't – it does. If it's not going to profit them down the road in other in other venues, they're not going to invest in that decision. Is my point. But the the, the fact that we don't have four guys like Auburn has that the athletics is all that it's, it's what it's all about. That's why I'm here. That's why we, we, our kids come to Auburn. That's why our grandkids came to Auburn. We don't have that. So when you don't have those people willing to make those decisions, then you have to swallow the next four years and see if this kid can figure out how to be a head coach, which leads me to my final point here, which is we're hoping that somebody can help him make some tough decisions now, not just with his staff and who he hires and who he brings in and who isn't, isn't a threat, but also on what kids do you, do you want to really keep? What kids do you need to keep? What kids do you need to make sure with the, name likeness and image uh, opportunity starting July 1st that you're going to make sure, even though you're not supposed to, we all know how this works, make sure get taken care of. There are so many critical decisions for him to make that I just hope the right person, he's a smart guy. I've never said he isn't a smart guy. He needs the right person next to him helping him make those decisions. You know, I, I'm just hoping he's able to yeah. surround himself and he's open to listening. And what Joaquin mentioned is what scares me. He's not open to those things. He's only open to the things that he perceives as relevant. If he doesn't perceive something as relevant or critical to what he feels will help him, you know, be successful, he's not going to go with it. And that's what's worrying me, Gary. Uh, on the recruiting well, front, which kid is he going to take? Which transfer portal kid is he going to go after? When you look at your roster, you look at your weaknesses, you sit down in your staff meeting right now, you, what do we need to address for next year? What has to be here? You know, you and I and fan base, we, I mean, Ross, D. Black, everybody knows what we need. We all do. You need a playmaker on offense. You need cornerbacks, and you need at least one linebacker and a pass rusher. Yeah, but, 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 but you, you got to have players of the level of these guys – that they got in the last few years to make it worthwhile, in my opinion. Like, I'm hearing this kid, uh, Johnson, from Southridge, who was at Tennessee. He's probably going to yep. be coming here as a transfer. I mean, why? Why? I mean, why? He, he couldn't play it. at Tennessee. Like, why? Why are you – like, it. why? Like, why does this program continue to do the same stupid BS year after year oh. after year? I mean, you know, the, the Tito Odig venues, I don't even remember how to pronounce his name anymore, Fifth but Illinois, like, yeah, like, uh-huh. yeah, like we didn't take enough of those. 
Like we 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 got to keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. Develop the goddamn kids that you're recruiting, and if they're not good enough to be players, why were they recruited in the first place? Because the evaluation is not good enough. Oh, but we don't need to bring in an NFL veteran like an Alonzo to put together an, an NFL level scouting department in the building over there. Okay. Because our evaluation has been good enough, develop those kids. Stop bringing in bottom feeders from the transfer portal, plugging them in, and you never get anywhere. This program sits in quicksand. That is something I will sound off about. Because when I see that we're going to just keep taking average guys out of the transfer portal and plug them in because the guys that we are recruiting legitimately are not good enough, I'm sorry, that is a failed program, and they're wasting everybody's time. Well, so, I'm mean, actually, I feel about And I've always told you, you don't hire quality teachers. You don't hire quality teachers. You're screwed. Because your coordinator can be the best coordinator out there. But if you're Jimmy's and Joe's are just average guys that need to be really developed, that they're going to blossom their fifth year, their fourth and fifth year, you know, that's when they develop. You know, a senior leading, senior yeah. leading group. If you can't develop those kids, but Boston College can, but Penn State can, but Maryland now is doing it. Rutgers will start doing it. Then that tells you you're not teaching worth a damn. And the well, guys like, you have as teachers last night, don't belong Last there. night, last night, everything. We put Zach McLeod out there as a defensive end for 47 snaps. <laughs> 47 snaps. He's playing defensive end. Okay, like, yeah. like, like. You know, you mentioned you, chance. Where, where, where was chance? You know, he's had a full a full season now of of, of practice. Um, you know, one of your you know plum freshman defensive end recruits. He, he's not worthy of some snaps. Um, you know, well, where's Elijah Roberts? Where's Elijah Roberts? He got thirteen. You know, well, you know, he got he got thirteen snaps. You know, but, the kid but, that uh, from Brooklyn. You know, I mean, why aren't you? Why aren't you doing what you've done to get these kids in the first place? Which is integrate them as they develop in a smaller role, but yet they're active, they're engaged, they're involved, and they can see, in three years, I'll be here. You're not giving Listen, that carrot to the kid. If you can't evaluate enough, well enough in recruiting to where you're taking players that can't help you win games, then – before you worry about who the damn you know new defensive coordinator is going to be and everything else, you better straighten out that part of the program. Because I don't care who you bring in as a coach. If you don't have players, they're, they're not going to get the results. And, you know, even like the young receivers, they've been practicing the entire year. I mean, you know, you're going to, you're going to tell me that Keyshawn Smith, couldn't go more than 15 snaps, that Michael Redding couldn't go more than eight when you're watching what you, we were watching last night. So, you know, I don't know, man. It, it, it's, it, it's, it's like I, I just think everybody needs to let go of this whole Dabo, Dabo, Dabo. I mean, enough. It's like we're, we're so far away from Manny being Dabo. Um, but I guess the question of the hour now is will he make changes on defense? And I have a hard time picturing Manny – like totally making himself insignificant in this program. And if he's he hires, no, if he were to hire a defensive coordinator and, and bring a coordinator in to, to, to oversee that side of the ball, 
and now he's on the practice field every day picking his nose with nothing to do. I just don't see him doing that. That's not um, him. That's not no. Him. He's a no. guy, and he's, he's not going to put his livelihood in the hands. Like, for example, everyone's talking about the, the defense coordinator at Cincinnati. The defensive coordinator at Cincinnati is an extension of Luke Fickle. Just like Blake Biggs is an extension of Manny here. It's Luke's freaking defense. It's the same, it's the same situation we have. It's not that yeah. that guy's not prepared to be a DC. I'm not saying that, but it's the same situation. Fickle wants his defense run his way, and he knows that guy will do it. And Manny wants the same thing here, and that's not going to change. So we can forget about that. Now, if you yeah. want to bring in somebody else to, to help with your recruiting efforts that can still coach and is a decent teacher, then the scapegoat might, might be Mike Rump, who hasn't produced where, where he needed to produce the most, which is recruiting. Maybe that's going to he, – he might be the scapegoat here. And I, I've always told you, Mike's a hell of a teacher. Mike's had chances to go to the NFL. Gary, you know this. It's not something that we're making up here. It's a very small world that's out there. And people know everything. I mean, it is what it is. So, unfortunately, I don't see him making any changes with regards to that unless somebody says, hey, it's time for me to grow and me to go. Because in coaching, the one thing that's a constant is you're looking to get hired, and you're also looking to get fired, Gary. And that's yep. the reality of coaching. So, hey, last thing. What player must we keep? What player must we keep that we cannot lose? Well, I mean, I'll just tell you what I think is going to happen. I think Brevin Jordan's gone. I, I mean, I, I can't no imagine. I, I mean, it, it, if they even allow him to come back after the game he had last night, and, and uh, you know, he proved last night that he's an elite, tie, you know, tight end and yeah. can go play. He's a national football league player. If they even let him come back, it's malpractice. I mean, he, he's got to go. So he's, I think he's gone uh, of the guys with decisions. Um, well, I mean, obviously the Eric already said what he's going to do. Uh, Cam Harris, I think would be foolish to go, but at the same time, he's looking at splitting time. Cheney to me looks better than him. And, you know, I don't, I don't know how long you can keep holding Cheney back. You know, I mean, Cheney looks to me like a guy that needs to be out there a lot more than he's out there. Um, so we'll see. I mean, obviously, Knighton's coming back from his injury. So Cam Harris might decide to go. Uh, they can afford to lose him, I, I think. So I'm, no, no. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't include him. Um, Harley, I think they you're can the afford to lose. Number one guy that you gotta keep. You got to keep him, Gary. You can't lose this guy. Who's the number I, one? I don't know that there is. I'm trying to think if there. I don't. I don't. There is. There is. There is. There's no doubt. Listen. But, but, you can say. You can say. Bubba Bolden. Hell no. Hell okay. No. Hell no. Hell no. Um, I got a kid in my local high school that can. You're gonna say Amari. You're gonna say Amari Carter. No. You're not gonna say. You're not gonna say Zach. You're not gonna say Zach McLeod. Nope. I mean, you might say Nesta, but I. In the spring. No, that's, that's a, had a good year, but he's smart. He he'll, he won't even get drafted. The no. most important guy that we have to have, in my opinion, that's got to come back next year, and he proved it last night. He's scheduled to graduate in the spring, and he's matured. After he became a dad, the kids kind of changed. Who, Nikosi? Nikosi Perry has to come back, Gary. I will say this. That kid showed last <laughs> night something that is friendly to his strengths and protects his weaknesses and offsets those weaknesses, he can flourish. Three major drops in the last two possessions that we could have won or tied the game last night. 
The guy played – I think he had two bad passes, but he was rushed on one, but whatever. The guy showed last night, and that's not a great defense without their best defensive lineman and their best cornerback, but that system and those guys and that defense's chemistry is a top five chemistry. And we saw that last night. That's a good defense. Again, senior-laden, upper-tier type level kids that are juniors and seniors, very well coached that know their, their system in and out. I thought Nikosi played so well last night that – He did. Unfortunately, I don't think De'Ara's going to be able to play again. Okay. If De'Ara can't play either. again, then Nikosi will come back. Uh, they'll we know that in time. I, I think that they'll know that here in the next week or so. And if that's going to be the case, I think Nikosi stays. All right, everything. Hey, thanks for getting us started, man. Be well. Happy New Year, Gary. Happy New Year, everybody out there. Be well, be safe, be healthy, folks. Go Canes. You got it. 563-999-3550. 563-999-3550. You hit the one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Let's go out now to the 770. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, what's, what's going on, Gary? It's Steve. Hey, what's up, Steve? You're back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to take a break after that uh, butt whooping we got from Carolina. Well, you know my right, situation. Just I'm, keep not, it, I'm not as keep, optimistic. Go ahead. Now, I'm just going to say keep it chill, man. Keep it chill. <laughs> I, I, I can't be – you kept it chill. I'm going to keep it real with you. I'm, right. I'm, I'm, on the, I'm, on the, I'm on the thing as I want to win a championship. I don't care about Manny's feelings. I don't care about nobody's feelings but mine. And I want to win a championship. All that other talk y'all guys be talking about, Gary, I ain't with none of it. You hear me? Manny needs to make decisions. When he got hired, he made a bunch of bad decisions. He should have hired guys who can get the job done. He didn't do that. You know, be it his, who, his defense or it's not his defense. Go ahead. Who? No, I just said who. Who should he hire? He should have hired somebody who can do the job. If the guy can't do the job, you need to hire somebody else. What are we going to do, this eight and three stuff for the next five years and waste paying them $4 million? So you no, I agree. I agree with you on that, but who, should, but who should he – like, you think when he hired Blake Baker and these guys that he was thinking they can't do the job? No. He was hiring guys he thought could I do the job. And, and, and more so than anything, Steve, he was hiring guys that he could hire. Everybody thinks that these best defensive coaches in college football are just sitting around eating the potato chips, waiting for Manny Diaz to pick up the phone and call them and say, hey, come down to the, to the sun and fun capital of the world, Miami, the U, paradise, and coach some defense for me. And, and while I look over your shoulder at every single thing you're doing, by the way, like, like that's, to me, that's a fantasy island. Go ahead. Gary, hold on. If you pass somebody to come to Miami who's a good coach, uh, they don't even have to stay in Miami long, and they do a good job if they're a good coach. They're gonna, it's going to be like a payday. It's like a lottery ticket to the next level. Look at Lashley. He ain't been all that great. We don't even have – do we have a running back? Do We got three great backs. Do they even have a 1,000 yards together? You That's know, a good question. He was getting talked about – he was getting talked about about getting another job, and they was promoting him over all the other great offensive coordinators out there in college football because he's at Miami. He was getting more pop than all the other schools scoring a ton of points and got a good running game. All you got to do is come to Miami for a year and show any resemblance of knowing what you're doing, and you're going to 
get offers from other schools to pay you millions of dollars. So I don't want to hear this about Miami can't get a coach. A smart coach would come, and, and all he got to do is, is, is show he know what he's doing, and, and somebody going to swoop in and offer him millions of dollars before the season over with. It's a bunch of bull. You, and, and this thing about um, developing players with these guys, we got a bunch of one-star, half-star coaches with a bunch of four-star talents. And you know you gotta have some you gotta have some coaches and some X's and O's to go with these Jimmys and Joes you want, and we're lucky to get the guys that we get. You know this 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 stuff is it's bananas, man. And you talking about you gotta think they 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 want to do the right thing. They got the right players. You gotta trust that. Why you gotta trust that, Gary? Why you yep. gotta believe that? Here's the first thing Lashley, that you brought up. Lashley. Okay, do you realize how lucky Manny Diaz was that he was able to get Lashley? Lashley just happened to be at a point of his career where, where he was on the rebound, and he needed what Miami had to offer, which is exactly, Steve, what you just talked about, and that is a stage. Yeah, and he got – He's well, I'm, I'm, but I'm trying to say, you, like, you think you think it's so easy to make that happen? Like, I can't. Like, who the hell is Manny Diaz going to go hire? That's going to fix this defense with Manny looking look, looking over his shoulder like if like. You got, I, money, I, you got money. If you got money and somebody needs a job, they'll take it. If, if, you know, it's a lot. Yeah, of but those guys don't need a job, money. Steve. Uh, the, you think the great defensive coaches in college football need a job? They don't need a job. You you telling me it ain't no defensive coordinators or assistant defensive coordinators or somebody out there that's good who's going to be available to be hired that we can go after after all these teams that fire people. This, who's who's going to come work for? Who's going to come work for a defensive head coach? No, there's not that many guys out there like that. And I'll, I'll give you an example. Like, let's take Todd, Steve. Let's take Todd Grantham at Florida. Okay, he's not the best defensive coordinator out there, but he's got a decent reputation. He's bounced around a little bit. He's at Florida. Why is he at Florida? Because you got an offensive head coach at Florida, and he wants to give a guy, let the guy be the head coach of the defense, so to speak. And Dan Mullen gives the defense to Grantham and expects a great defense. And, yeah, they're a little sore up there right now because they don't feel their defense is performing well enough. But, you know, I don't know if they're going to keep them, not keep them. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Let's say he gets fired at Florida. You don't think that guy's going to be in, like, real, like real demand? There's going to be plenty of people lining up to hire him. And it, he's going to find a favorable situation for himself that probably is working for an offensive coach that's going to let him do – his thing as a defensive coordinator. That is what Lashley found here on offense. He found a defensive head coach that would just turn over the offense to him, and that's why it's worked so well for him. Because he has the stage and he has the control. Gary, Gary, Manny is straight garbage. His defense is straight garbage. If he's controlling this defense, it's straight garbage. He needs to take his his hands off and just be a, 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 a manager of this team while he got the job. And bringing somebody who can get us the recruits in there because they know what they're doing. Everybody keep hollering about Bandit, some type of great recruiter. Yeah, please, this man, if it wasn't for Ant Reed being hired last year, we probably don't get that William kid who Ant Reed coached in that game, that all-star game, or the kid who idol Ant Reed 
James Williams, he wears his jersey number in high school. They keep hollering. Why we didn't get, if he's such a great recruiter, why we didn't get none of the D tackles, the other D tackles and the DBs that we needed? You know, we got to get some people on this team with some credibility before we start getting all these, um, what you say, what kind of players you want, evaluations. Just because you, I keep telling you, just because we can evaluate players, that don't mean these players and their parents ain't evaluating these coaches we got. And that's the problem. These coaches are getting a one-star evaluation and they're losing when they go up against these other schools. That's, that's, that's the biggest problem we got. We got one-star coaches trying to evaluate five-star talent and get them to come play for them. And when, they, when the parents ask them, okay, what did you do with this kid? What happened here? What are you going to do for my kid? When the, who's the last guy you got in the NFL? They have nothing. Nothing. And it ain't going to change until Manny brings in people who are way better football people than him to run, help him run the program because that, he don't have a clue. That's right. And what guy that, that knows that he's a better coach than Manny Diaz is going to come work for Manny Diaz? I don't know. Steve. Job, it, it would be. It would have to be a guy that needs the job. You're exactly right. One hundred percent. It would have to give up the money. Money talk. Money talk. Look, Manny shouldn't never get. We get lost in the fact is Manny shouldn't be our coach. Let's never forget that. If I was the athletic director, he would have never got hired. If I was the athletic director that hired him, I would have fired him last year after losing the FIU, Duke, Louisiana Tech. And whoever else trashed it. Don't forget that. Everybody keeps talking about this year was such an anomaly. This is full. We should have won nine games last year. Then we wouldn't have been so happy when all y'all were so happy about the eight and one. And I was telling you guys, it was a bunch of it was a bunch of garbage. We could have lost more games. Everybody keeps talking about King is so great. Just come on, man. I hey, I love the kid from coming to Miami. The other caller was saying he, he look, the kid been here one year. The kid had a mission. He was about to accomplish his mission, but he couldn't. He wasn't no superhero because we still lost to Clemson and we still got thrashed by North Carolina. Who's to say if Nicosia, who's been a model citizen since he got in that trouble with the kicker girlfriend that everybody's been blackballing him out the program for, or trying to get him to run off? The kid has stuck through stick and thin when when. When Mark Rick turned his back on him, Manny took over, and Manny was trying to turn his back on him. The media, nobody supported this kid after the kid made the honor roll, stuck around when Tate Martell Bell, Jared Williams Bell, everybody's gone. This kid is still standing and been nothing but a model citizen, and nobody gives this kid any credit for nothing. And everybody wants him out of the program, but he's been the toughest kid in the program out of anybody, if you ask me. And then he comes in that last night in that situation and puts some respect on the program because we was headed down the road to another North Carolina shellacking. But he put some respect on the game and put a little respect on the king's name because it was about to get ugly. And all that talk and all that dogging of kids, everybody been doing to that kid, they need to apologize. And you know who they are. You got the flow. I'm done. I'm listening. All right. 
All right, Steve. A lot of good, a lot, a lot of great points as always, man. Yeah, I mean, you know, I love your passion. You're, you're right. I, I just, I just don't know if what some of your, what you're saying is reality. I mean, we're gonna find out, you know, but because I'm be sure. Reality. It's not reality, though, Gary. It should be reality, and that's what you're missing the point on. It should be the reality. Yeah, I just, just like my feeling, but my feeling is if, 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 like, I'm, I'm kind of torn on this because when Randy Shannon was the head coach, I thought one of the biggest mistakes that Randy made was not taking the defense himself. He kept hiring these, 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 these B-list coordinators, and it was there was a parade of them. We went from uh, Tim Walton, we, we had Jim, John Levitt. Um, we had um, Bill Young. Uh, Manny was head. I mean, Randy was head coach for four years. I think he had three different coordinators. Might have even been four. And I, I can't even remember now. But I, it, it, I thought the biggest mistake he made was he never took the defense himself and went down the tubes. So now we're sitting here saying Manny needs to step aside, get out of the way, let somebody, the best guy he can hire who God knows who that would be, um, come in here and run the defense, and Manny's supposed to be a CEO head coach who doesn't have his handprints on either the offense or the defense, who is not a great recruiter. And if you're doing that, I'm just thinking, like, what the hell do you need Manny for? Like, like you know, he, so, so, you, so you're talking – so we're, you, we're looking for Manny to totally de-emphasize Manny. Like, I just – I don't know. No, it doesn't make no, any no, sense. No, 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 Gary, Gary, you just said you wanted – Randy to take over the defense or whatever be more. Randy never did that. Maybe that was nope. his fault. But you've been telling me for last since last year and this year, all this year, that Manny is calling the shots over the guy who he brought in who who wouldn't dominate over him. You, that's no, what he's doing it. In, he's doing it in tandem. Team. It's a tandem situation, Steve. Blake Baker yeah, is a man. Well, he's a Manny disciple, Steve. I mean, Blake Baker worked under Manny at Louisiana Tech. That's where Blake Baker learned his defense, for the most part, from Manny. So that's why he's here. He's here to be the shepherd of Manny's defense, and Manny spends every minute of a practice on the defensive practice field. Well, we see the shepherd of Manny's defense, and Manny is watching over his shepherd, and it's not working. It's time to bring somebody in. Manny needs to make a business decision because I want Manny gone. If he, if that's the way he's thinking, he's not putting the program first, and people are not putting this program first, and that's the problem. The athletic director, Blake James, you trying to tell me that he hired Manny with winning national titles? And mine, no. You don't give a guy like Manny four, triple four million dollars for Manny, and then turn around and give Manny Diaz four million dollars when Temple wasn't gonna pay him two. For what? What was on Manny's record that Blake James had to hire this guy on a Sunday night, five minutes after he got off the phone, begging a failed Mark Rick to stay? What was what was the reason if it ain't that these guys enjoy what's going on with this program? Where's Blake James anyway? Has anybody approached him? Because if, if, if I saw that guy at a grocery store, I'm telling you, It'll be going down. Yeah, he 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 actually did an interview a couple of days ago with the Miami Herald talking about how happy he was with everything, um, regardless of what happened in last night's game. So what? He said he was happy. He's happy. That's the freaking problem. But but Nobody yeah, but we 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 don't need to rehash his night night of um, 
I mean, it literally was this athletic director malpractice. I mean, even if Manny ended up being the pick, you you got to see who your candidates are. All right, Steve. Hey, you have a happy new year. All right, man. Appreciate you coming on the show. All right, we'll talk. We'll talk to you next time. All right. Now we're gonna go to a man who probably has a pretty good idea what Manny Diaz might think about the idea of uh, de-emphasizing himself in the organization. And that's uh, Matt Shodell, our Kane Sport Managing Editor. Matt, Happy New Year. Welcome back to Kane Sport Live. What do you think about all this? Can you see Manny basically knocking himself out of the way? The one thing that I think Manny Diaz has that's different from every other previous coach uh, I've seen at Miami, and that's been quite a few, unfortunately, he actually pays attention to what fans say and think in the social media and the message boards and enough people are out there saying Diaz should do this and Diaz should do that. Like he does it. I mean, you know, like last year you saw it with some of the moves he made with all the stuff that the outside noise, I, I think he's actually smart because he learned from watching in the past. The way these coaches get fired is when all the outside noise gets amped up to the point that it gets to the trustees and, the boosters and then they're upset because all the fans are upset and and things like that so um you know i, I think he'll do whatever people say should be done on social media and mass well then i guess we'll have an overhaul defensive coaching staff but that would bring me to who's he going to be able to hire like uh, like if, if i were a defensive coordinator and this were my career decision uh, i i wouldn't take a job under somebody that I think I'm better than uh, and then have have him looking over my shoulder all the time and questioning what I'm doing and telling me what he thinks I should do. And those guys don't, you know, they want, those guys want total control of uh, just like Lashley came here and got total control of the offense. And uh, I don't know. I don't see Manny doing it. I, I see some cosmetic changes. I think Banda Great chance he goes to Utah State. That opens up some money for Manny and opens up a slot for Manny to to maybe make make a move. Um, wouldn't be shocked if Banda took somebody like say a Patkey with him or something. You know, just to have a right hand guy out there with him in Utah. I, I could see something like that. Um, that would open up another slot. Uh, I mean, and people like to mention Mike Rumpf. I don't know what might or might not happen there. But let's say Mike Rumpf decided to go to the NFL. That would be a third slot. So I like I could see some some shifting around maybe some new blood in the building on defense uh maybe todd stroud goes back into an administrative role i could see that um so he could almost really do it without firing everybody but uh i don't know that even if i were advising manny diaz that i would advise that he give up control because that makes him totally insignificant yeah, I mean, my point is not he's going to do exactly what fans say. My point is he's going to do something that yeah. fans say, like, you know, like last year, bring on Ed Reed. You know, everyone said, oh, you need to bring, you know, do something like this. And then he decides to bring Ed Reed. So there will, you know, in my opinion, there will be changes, um, you know, just because fans are demanding it. And he'll find some way to make sure that his friends and the staff are taken care of while, while you know, having an appearance of change or actually – doing something personnel-wise, but I think they're going to keep running the same defense. I don't think he's going to let anyone come in and do any sort of different defense than what he thinks is going to be successful at Miami. And, you know, maybe he's right, maybe he's wrong. I mean, he deserves another year or two to 
to get this thing right. And uh, and after that, fans can say, yeah, this was a failure, or this is on the you know on the right path. Well, the funny thing is, the whole reason Manny Diaz is here at all was because of the defense he runs. That's the funniest thing about this whole conversation. Like Mark Rick brought him here to run this attacking four 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 three defense, and that that was that was the whole premise of his hiring. And there were parades when he was hired and, and unveiled this defense. But what we're seeing is the defense doesn't look the same as the level of talent has dwindled with each year, Matt. And, um, you know, it, it's gotten progressively worse. And I was, I don't know if you were on it when I, at the time when I was talking about it, but like, they're looking at this graduate transfer from Southridge uh, Johnson that played at Tennessee. And I'm saying like, why the kid was an average player at Tennessee couldn't get on the field there, which is why he's leaving Tennessee. Like you're bringing him into the program. You're just, you're just throwing him. You're going to throw him into the rotation at defensive end. Like what about the guys that you're recruiting through traditional recruiting vehicles? And if they're not good enough to play, why are they being recruited? I mean, you have a fair point. Um, look, at the, at the end of the day, the coaches have to answer for the product that's on the field. And the fact was, on defense last night, arguably the best player on defense was Nessa Silvera, who's maybe a slightly above average defensive tackle by Miami standards. And that's not okay. Um, they've had one real recruiting class. This will be another to try and get this right. Uh, you know, they're spending 2022 slots counting backwards to 2021 on transfers that may not pan out. I mean, you've already seen some of them. Usman Traore and Tommy Kennedy, that could have been two more kids in the class of 2020 or 2021 that could be playing right now and developing right now. So exactly. I am not going to transfers. I get it. I get it that Manny feels he has to because, unfortunately, with the atmosphere of Miami, you have to win now. You can't use every single spot on looking at three or four or five years down the road to try and win that and go, you know, five and, you know, five win seasons and four win seasons for a couple of years because you'll be fired. <laughs> So he he sort of is is caught in a in a bad situation, and you know there's there's no real way out of it without the goodwill of fans and him. He, you know what he should have said in the beginning when he took the job, which he didn't. You know a lot of coaches will lay out their plan. You know here's what we're going to do, and he should have stated plainly. Listen, our personnel is not where it needs to be. It's going to be a four year process. First two years are going to be brutal, but I'm going to spend all this capital I have. You know goodwill capital building up recruits and getting these kids developed and three or four years from now, you're going to see the results. But instead he tried to win now. And that, that, that really is almost like a recurring cycle. It's like, it's like being eight and eight in the NFL. You're just not going to get that, you know, stud player that can turn your program around. You know, it's just, there's going to continue to be mediocrity until they build the team through recruiting. And you can't do that when you're bringing three to five to six transfers in a year and you have the nickname of transfer you. I mean, it, it, fans just don't understand how costly it is to bring a grad transfer in for a year where you're going to win eight games or a year when you're going to go six and seven. There's no reason for it. You're losing five, you know, even with as great as Jalen Phillips was and as great as Quincy Roche was, that just cost you two, you know, potentially kids that could have turned into NFL guys and been at Miami for three to four years. So, you know, if you recruit right, you don't need to do that. And it sort of kills you when you have to take transfers, unfortunately. Now, the only good news is that if you can even call it good news, but, you know, with COVID, 
and everyone getting an extra year, they're going to have to expand that roster limit from 85. So even though Manny's costing himself numbers in the recruiting ranks, the overall roster numbers is going to be ridiculously large over the next three years, which really he sort of lucked out because his roster was going to be bare in a couple of years with all the graduate transfers and junior transfers he was taking. Because once those kids leave, you know, you can't all of a sudden fill those missing roster spots when you only have 25 a year you can take. So he got bailed out by the fact that everyone got an extra year. They're going to have to expand the limits. They're probably over a hundred. Um, so it's not as bad now as it would have been, but I'm still not a fan of taking all these transfers. Well, and, and transfers are one thing. Like, you, you could be – even if you wanted to be a favorite, like Jalen Phillips was a hell of a take. Um, you know, Quincy Roche was a hell of a take. Uh, the Eric King yeah, – but at the end of the day, what, at the end of the day okay. if you're going to win eight games and lose three games and you cost yourself a recruit and you want to have a long-term plan, even as great as Jalen Phillips was and as amazing as it was that they had him and Jose Borgales and all the other great transfers, Bubba Bolton, et cetera, et cetera, if you're not competing for the playoffs at Miami, like, what's the point? Like, get to that point and then maintain it. That's the goal, and you can't do it with grad transfers and junior transfers coming in every every year. Yeah, you're not developing a, a roster, and you're certainly not you're, even well, for the it's, next It's an 8-8 eight eight NFL team every year. I mean, it's just like you're going to be in a bowl game that's decent, and, like, you go do the same thing the next year. Like, that's not, that's not going to yeah, happen. Yeah, well, that, that, that might get you, uh, you know, another $10 million. Like... So the, you know, well, I mean, goal, that's your goal. <laughs> that that might get you another yeah, ten million. If your goal, <laughs> if your goal, if your goal is to win eight to ten games a year, he's doing it the right way. If your goal is to go twelve and zero or twelve and one, you got to do it through recruiting. You, you can't take leftovers from other teams in en mass and have them starting at your program. It's just it's just not the way to do it, in my opinion. Especially if they're not difference makers. And when I like, I I almost like lost it when I when when I hear that they're taking. Just a, a, another guy from the, you know that was a nondescript player at Tennessee, and they're just going to throw him onto this roster, be, you know, because he's from Miami Southridge or something. And like, I it just I just don't get it. Like, I don't get it. So that was frustrating here. All right, let's shift gears real quick here, Matt. Um, last night's game. Um, you know, when we got done, you know, working at one in the morning or whatever time it was, and you, you put your head down on your pillow, what what, what came to your mind um, when you reflected on last night's game? I mean, it's amazing. This is really the first game I can remember that I really feel like I still haven't quite processed what happened because it was like, it was a totally, it was the most schizophrenic game I've ever seen Miami play. Like the first quarter was like almost its own game. The second and third quarter was its own game. Uh, and then the fourth quarter, it was like a combination of the first three quarters. It was like just totally weird. It was almost like my new season in, in one game. Like they were, it was like the North Carolina game in the first quarter. And then the second and third quarter was like a little bit of the Duke game and some of the other games that Miami played really well. And then the fourth quarter, it was like decent offense, not great defense and like a little of everything. It, it, it it was, you know, it, I don't even know how to describe it. I don't know, I don't know if, they, if they coached poorly or they coached well. Like, it's almost it, – I've never seen a game that I can't even describe to people what happened in the game. Like, it was just the weirdest game. And maybe neither team like, – like, Oklahoma State only practiced three times for this game. And, it, it, exactly. It, and I, and I think that had a lot to do with the game. I, I really do. Uh, you know, it, it, it's it like – It seemed like a game of mistakes. 
Yeah, and I think that act, the fact that they only practiced three times for the game, I think kept Miami in the game, and here's why. Um, you know, there were, there were comments on the message boards today that Miami showed up flat. Miami showed up not prepared, you know, ripping the coaches for, you know, coming to the bowl game not ready and not having the team ready. I don't buy into that for one second. Here's what I do buy into. They were getting their butts kicked, okay? And, and Oklahoma State came in with a game plan. Um, that was totally the opposite of what Miami would have suspected in their film studies and, and, and everything. And they threw 16 straight passes. And this is a team that ran the ball 61% of the time during the, se- during the season, right? So, and when you look at the way that Miami got stomped upon by North Carolina, it, it figured that Oklahoma State, they're, they're coming in and they're going to try to do exactly what North Carolina did. They've been watching that tape morning, afternoon, and night. They're going to run those same plays. They're going to try to run the ball and run the ball right down our throats all night long. And instead, they came and they threw it 16 times. And by the time they were done, they're up 14 nothing, and then they're up 21 nothing. And before Miami even knew it was in Orlando, they were pretty much out of the game. But one thing also happened, in my opinion, Matt. Because they only practiced three times for the game, I don't think they had a very deep game plan. And, and I think by the end no, of the first – they did not. They did not, right? And by the end of the no. first quarter, they were out of offense. They'd run everything they, they'd, they'd run everything. They, had, they, they, they ran everything, everything they had in the first true. quarter. Because never in a and million years – And especially with their top receiver out. That, that really yes. hampered that. Well, they, their plan was to throw, 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 but all of a sudden they don't have anyone to throw to. I mean, they had a guy – had one catch in the whole year, and he had three touchdowns in the game. So I mean, you know, yeah, so, it was weird. So they're sitting there, and they they never imagined that they were going to run all those plays in the first quarter. And I think that they had blown through their play sheet, and now they had to go back to traditional offense. And they took their best receiver, and he decided he was done for the year and wasn't going to play anymore. Yeah. And um, you know, Miami obviously, you know, picked up its game a little bit. Uh, they especially, I thought, got an emotional list, lift when De'Ara King went down. And I think the defense took it on its back and said, De'Ara's out. We got to pick up our game. We got to do that. I think they started playing a little bit harder and with a little bit more purpose. And I think Oklahoma State kind of had an emotional letdown at that point. And that allowed Miami to take back in the game. And I think that's why we got what we got. But, you know, had they had normal game preparation, had they had a deeper play sheet, I don't think the game ever would have been a game. I mean, they were destroying Miami in the first quarter in, in, in every way. I mean, yeah, there's not much more I can add to that. I, I agree with you. And also, you know, maybe a little bit also was Oklahoma State's up 21 nothing, and they're like, okay, we could go a little more conservative because truth be told, I mean, they're <laughs> – their game plan should have been to run the ball. I mean, you could see in the North Carolina game, and especially the two defensive ends out, that, you know, and, and Jafari Harvey is more of a pass rusher than a run stopper, and, you know, Cam Williams is, is the new guy on the line. I mean, they should, with their power run game, have been able to get a lot done on the ground. Um, so I think they really thought after that first quarter they were going to loosen that up. But shockingly, you know, Blake Baker just started bringing run blitzes and run blitzes. It's almost like they figured, okay, well, they threw – 12 passes in a row. They got to start running the ball now. And it's like they just they they actually run blitz more after the first 12 passes of the game than they did during those first 12 passes of the game. I mean, it was it was yep. a little weird, but I guess they figured once they're down 21 nothing, well now they're just going to try to run the ball and pound it. And they were right, and that helped them get into it. I think that you know Oklahoma State outsmarted themselves a little bit, 
And, 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 you know, Blake Baker, as much criticism as he deserves and has gotten, you know, he did sort of do something smart in that situation, you know, because yep. Miami was not good against the run. And those run blitzes really got Miami back in the game. And They absolutely told, did. Mark Pope and D. Wiggins catch a few passes or, you know, nobody talks about this, but in the Coast, Perry just put a little more air on that ball that tipped at the line. Brevin Jordan is wide open for a touchdown. I mean, there, you know, there were so many opportunities that Miami probably should have won this game. Oklahoma State's not real good, first of all, but – from what I saw, um, you know, Miami probably should have won the game. And then it's a whole different tenor. You know, if, if they score on one of those drives and they win the game, you know, 41 to 37, you know, are fans still irate? I mean, they should be because it's really not just one play difference, right? So that's what's yep. so weird to me is like fans tend to just look at wins and losses and a little more so than what happened because, you know, Miami easily could have won this game with one more play, yet the same thing happened. And, you know, there, there should be a lot of criticism that, that would go around to this game, whether they won or lost, because there was just so much wrong at the end of a full season where they really should have been playing better. And, you know, a guy like the Corey Couch, who was playing so well, just looked awful. And you just wonder why guys like Gervin Hall are playing worse and Amari Carter disappeared. Um, obviously, you know, he didn't play in that game, but I mean, in general. And, um, you know, you sort of go down the line and you really want to see some of these guys get better and better and better as the year goes on. And, you know, to and see the not. wide receivers dropping passes. And, I mean, I could go down the line. You know, I think the offensive line was the only group that really got better. And I think um, a lot of credit should go to the coach there because that line could have been awful this year. And they really were okay. They weren't great. They were, they were, they were, they were good, uh, which is shocking after last year and how bad they were. And I think the line's going to be really good next year. And um, so that, that's, a, that's a bright spot to me. But I have a lot of worries next year uh, on defense. I just don't uh, – I don't see a lot of good things coming for that defense just based on the personnel coming back. And it's going to be really interesting to see what they can put together there. But I think the offense will be really good next year. Well, you know, you mentioned that, that you know, Blake Baker and, and his run blitzes last night. And I agree with you. They had a huge impact on the game. I mean, just think about this. And nobody will ever say, you know, Blake Baker's everybody's whipping boy right now. Like, they're just beating the crap out of him. And you're not going to hear anybody say anything positive about Blake Baker right now. But – Against North Carolina, they gave up 10.1 yards per rush. So every time North Carolina ran the ball, they averaged 10.1 yards. Last night, Oklahoma State, a, a running team, averaged 2.6 yards a rush. So that that is a silver lining. Like that was incredible improvement. And uh, you know, unfortunately, the um, you know the the numbers went the other way a little bit in the, uh, in the passing game, but, uh, but anyway, Matt, so where does, where do they go from here in summary? You know, like what's the next, what's, what's the next move for Manny Diaz? Where, where do things go from here? I mean, honestly, if it was my team, I don't even think right now (laughs) there's a lot of answers. I mean, it comes back to me to the whole building the program thing. There's nothing I think they can do to be a great team next season. I just don't think there is. I mean, I don't know how many great transfers they think they can bring in, but generally the transfers you get are not going to be the stars of those teams unless there's a coaching change, whatever, whatever, whatever. There's some of those out there once in a while, but they have to also want to come to Miami and learn the system really fast and all that. Um, I just really wish that this program would find somebody who's willing to do a reboot from the ground up and just, you know, acknowledge that, you know, we're not a great program right now. We're not a great team right now. This is how we're going to fix it. Cause you don't really hear any sort of plan. It's almost like, 
flying by the seat of your pants a little bit. You know, it's like the plan is save your ass, save your ass, win eight games, keep the boosters off Blake James's butt it's because you know because he really would like to live in South Florida for well, the rest listen, of his career. Listen, it's not it's not it's not just many ideas. I remember I remember when Randy Shannon was the coach. His thing was if I graduate all my players and keep them out of trouble, I'm going to keep my job because Donna Schwade was not going to get rid of me. Uh, that was not the case, you know. As people find out, you know, when when the money dries up from from the donors, the coach goes. Um, so Manny's acutely aware of that, and he, you know, and he has unfortunately these last few years sort of squandered some of that goodwill. Um, but if he can find some way to get a little more of it and and make people understand, you know, he likes to always say that you know this the culture of Miami is to win championships, and we're getting back to that. And you know, I just hate yeah. these coaches uh, in general painting a rosy picture when it's really not all that rosy and you didn't beat anyone this year. I mean, they can beat their chest that we won eight games and, you know, we, we only lost two games in the ACC for the first, you know, the least amount of losses, I think, in the ACC since whenever. But at the end of the day, I mean, it just didn't look to me like a really good team. And uh, if Miami doesn't do a good self-evaluation and recognize that and try to figure out a way to, to deal with that over the next two or three years to fix it, it's just, it's just not going to get better. And, Unfortunately, now it's a situation where these recruits they're trying to get just don't really remember the great Miami unless they're watching a YouTube video where you can, you know, not, not even a high def video anymore because it's from back in the day on analog TV. And like, it's just, I just feel so awful for fans to have had this squandered when they had everything rolling in the right direction for so long. And it should have been a self-fulfilling thing because everyone wanted to come to Miami. Remember those days? Like everybody was dying to come here and they could pick and choose who they wanted. And now it just yeah. feels like they got to beg some of these kids to come here. And it's just, it's just a shame because the kids used to realize and, and know what was special about Miami. And they'd see their heroes playing at Miami day in and day out and winning big games and celebrating on national TV. And now it just feels like they got to just start from square one. You know, it's like the 1980s all over again. And, and you know, it, it's not easy and it takes time. And, they can't, you know, Miami fans can't be in this mindset of we're going to win this year. They've, at some point, somebody has to, you know, explain to Miami fans, this is a three to five year rebuild. We've got to start from the ground up. This program is not where it needs to be. I mean, well, you're going into year three now, Matt. This is year three well, coming well, up. But, yes, but the problem is the last two years were spent trying to win now. I'm saying you can't keep taking the strategies. The coaches keep trying well, to do win now, win now, win now. Only somebody because of the recruiting evaluations. Only because of the evaluations that they're doing in recruiting. Like, you know, well, the, the guys that were not, recruiting not, years ago should have already been the answer. That. You, you, it's not just that. I mean, I, I agree with evaluations, but the thing is, you know, fans look at four and five stars. You can get great two stars and great three stars, and you have to have those extra spots available because really when you look at it through the history of recruiting, you know, one out of every three recruits is going to hit pretty good. You know, that's a pretty good, you know, sort of average percentage right there. But if you're costing yourselves, you know, five or six recruits every class, that's, that's two guys who are going to be there for three or four years that are probably going to hit and be starters. Um, so, again, it, it comes back to me that you need to be able to take those 30 recruits instead of 23 recruits because you're not taking all those transfers. And, you know, Miami took two, had a cap at 24 this year, not even 25 because of the transfers they took. Like, it's just to me, you've got to take your chances. Even if you're not getting the big-name guys, do your evaluations. Even if it's a three-star guy, I mean, you see players at, at – programs that aren't great programs getting really good players um, who wind up transferring to really good, to, you know, to top teams and doing really well. So there's no reason Miami can't get those guys and they just need to give themselves the space uh, in their classes to be able to do it. And you, you gotta, you gotta figure out a way to do it. Uh, period. I mean, you know, yeah, but... like I've had, I, fans have had it with this, 
you know, not just me, quote unquote mediocre, <laughs> which, you know, eight wins is sort of mediocre at Miami. Um, and they've, they've got to find the way to get up there with the top echelon, top five teams, top four teams, really. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know if there's going to be too many people buying that year three of Manny Diaz is year one of a three to five year rebuild that everybody's well, going to have to Well, that's the problem. It, it, it's yeah, been, it's no. been squandered a little bit with those first two years. No, but if it is, then, then they, they, they deserve to be fired. Because let me tell you, so I'm looking, let's just take the defensive line position really quick and then I'll let you go and we'll get other callers on. But I'm going down right now the list of defensive linemen on this team, okay? And um, yeah, Chance Williams, okay, a, a defensive end. He's a freshman. He, he, he has a lot of development. Couldn't get on the field last night. Uh, we talked about Nestor Silvera. He, he was in his third year this year and the light bulb, was starting to come on a little bit. I thought he played his best football. Um, we saw J- Jafari Harvey last night for extensive time for the first time. I thought he looked okay. Um, uh, not, I wouldn't say he was great, but you know, I thought he was okay. We saw Cam Williams for the first time last night. I would say he looked very okay. You know, like probably not as good as Harvey, but you know, he was a body out there. Um, you know, we've seen Jared Harrison Hunt this year. He showed some potential. Um, Quentin Williams, the freshman, really not ready. We didn't see much of him. But Jordan Miller now, who's now in his third year of relatively low-impact defensive tackle. Jason Blissett hasn't been able to get on the field. I, don't, I know he wasn't able to play last night probably because of COVID. Hasn't been able to get on the field much. Um, John Ford just finished the senior year. Total non-factor. Jalar Holly, total non-factor. So my 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 point is this: they're not getting anything out of their recruiting classes, and and that and that's the problem. And you know you can't plug and play with average players from other schools that are transfers. That only sets you back even more. And I agree with you. I think they have big problems right now going into next year. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, look, let's be optimistic until we're not, right? <laughs> we can't, yep. can't hurt. <laughs> I want to be optimistic. I want to tell oh, fans that this is going to get better. I mean, it breaks my freaking heart. Like, I, I mean, I, 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 I mean, I mean, people like you heard like that guy Steve that was just on the show, and and like like people yeah. they, they this they 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 love this program and they love this team and they want to see this thing I mean, get back. Yeah. Let me just tell you. Let me tell you. You you know it's bad when someone posts on the message board. I'm throwing my beer at the TV to prepare for the game to start. Like that's how you know it's bad when someone posts on the message board. Like they're already they're already doing their pregame ritual by throwing their beer at their TV. You know, like you just sort of almost know what's coming. It, it's just it's got to stop. All right, Matt. Well, um, you have a great New Year. Um, obviously, thank you for all you've done in 2020. I, I know all the fans appreciate it also. And um, couple days we start a new one 2021 and we'll we'll see what it brings and it's gonna be interesting to see what manny does here i i think he's i agree with you i think he understands the outcry and i think there will be some moves made just to make everybody feel like he is on the case just you know like he did this year with the offense but you know my god man you've been you know head coach two years now you're having to remake the entire coaching staff i mean i don't i mean if that's a tough way to go we'll see what happens all right, Matt, thank you. Have, have, have a great have, have uh, right. day. Yep. Bye-bye. You too, thanks. All right, that's Matt Shodell, our great managing editor at Canesport. And, um, yeah, like he and I, we, we talk obviously daily, multiple times a day. And 
I mean, we feel you guys, man. We we understand how everybody feels about this and the way it's going and you know, everybody wants it better and you know, you can see like you know like uh, I mean, I've been here for unfortunately getting old a little older now. I mean, I've been I've been around University of Miami football for 40 years. I've seen it when it's great and I've seen it when it hasn't worked. And I can look at this program and I can see exactly what the problems are, but I can't do anything to help them fix it. Because even if even if 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 they would listen, they don't they don't want to hear what anybody on the, on the outside thinks, okay? Blake James had plenty of people in his ear that I have a lot of respect for after last season. And he didn't want to listen to any of them. There was, there was a booster that was willing to pay Alonzo Highsmith's salary to come in here and build the, just not coach, not tell Manny what to do on game day, just build the damn infrastructure of the program to look like an NFL franchise. And they blew Alonzo off. Um, didn't trust them. You know, didn't want to, you know, didn't feel like he'd have, their backs and this and that. like get out of here with that stuff this program needs to 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 have to be built from the inside out and get all of this stuff straightened out and then when you're recruiting better players and you're evaluating better you'll be able to get better coaches who will be able to coach those guys and develop them you will start beating an average oklahoma state team in the cheese it bowl trust me that will happen 563-999-3550, 563-999-3550. You hit the one on your keypad if you'd like to come on the show. Let's go to the 828. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Yeah, Gary, this is me. Uh, I'm calling from my home phone today. Uh, What's up, Greg? How you doing? I got to say, this is Greg, by the way. I know who you are. Go ahead. I know who you are. Go ahead. Okay. You want to solve the problem? You want to fix the defense? Get rid of Manny. Make Lashley the head coach and let him hire a defensive coordinator. Yeah, just what we need. This just is what, what we need, Greg. Another another head coach who's never been a head coach before, who doesn't have a recruiting track record. Just what we need. The same damn thing all over again. Why? Because he had a couple. Because we had a couple good games on offense this year. No, man. I disagree with you. Go ahead. Okay. We played 11 games this year. Five times we gave up 34 or more points. Okay? Don't tell me nothing needs to be done, okay? And I, I'm telling you right now, big things are happening right as we speak. There's going to be ch- big changes made. I'm guaranteeing it. Okay? okay? I know people. All right? Just remember I said that. I don't disagree okay, I with you. I think, there will be, I think there will be changes made. I want to talk. You and everything right off the air. King, you, who are you? you're not orthopedic surgeons. You don't even know how bad his injury is. I didn't write him off. I have not written him off. We haven't gotten the report yet. Well, on you, everything was telling me his career is over. Well, what is he kidding me? And then he's blaming Ja'Kai Clark. He got hurt because he got a holding call. Ja'Kai Clark had the highest grade on pass blocking last night. What the hell's everything talking about? That kid could have got hurt on the next play. We don't know what was going to happen. That's ridiculous thinking. He got okay. hurt making a cut. He didn't get hurt because of a missed block. Right, exactly. Okay. De'Ara King had more yards receiving last night than Pope 
and Rubens did, okay? What kind of message does this send to Redding, Smith, Restrepo, and whoever else, Peyton, that they can't get on the field and these dopes are dropping balls left and right? What the heck? What kind of message is that? Would you want to sit on the bench and watch this? I agree with you. Keyshawn Smith, they threw one ball to him. He made a great catch. He didn't get his feet in bounds. Pope can't catch a call. Neither can Wiggins. They're killing the team with these drops. It's ridiculous. How the hell can they... A man who's high-fiving Pope after he drops a bomb. Well, what kind of message is that send? He looks like a moron out there, Manny. He's a terrible coach. I mean, come on already. By the way, last night, did you ask Manny any questions? Because I didn't hear you on any interview. They didn't ever. They never called on me. I was on. I was on the thing, but they didn't. They, they didn't. I heard a bunch of other people ask questions. Oh, you're at the mercy of the moderator. Oh, okay. Now, let me ask you a question. Um, I think Manny's better off being. A, he should be a professional cheerleader or a politician because. He, he he can talk. I'll tell you, he's got a great gift of gab. I listen to him on these conferences. He's got more excuses than I've ever seen. Was COVID only in Miami this year? He didn't use COVID. I mean, practices that you we never heard this Andy, week. You again. never heard Andy say COVID was an excuse. Listen, we can we, we can knock Manny for a lot, Greg, but we can't knock him for using COVID as an excuse. He never did. Okay, but how many practices did we have prior to this game? I believe we had at least five, maybe six. Oh, we did. Okay. All right, my final point. Everything saying the most important guy we got to keep is Nicosi Perry. Is that what he said? I, he I heard that with my ears. Yeah. Did he say that about an hour ago? He did. Nicosi Perry is the epitome of mediocrity. If that's what you want to strive for is mediocrity, that's who you play. Nicosi Perry, okay? If King's not coming back, let Garcia and Van Dyke fight it out. We know what Nicosi Perry is. He's, a ter- he's, a, he's not good. I give him credit. He played well last night. But he... We've seen that story unfold already. You're talking about mediocrity. That's mediocrity. So, I mean, you're talking about recruiting. We have the 10th recruiting class in the country now. We had the 13th last year, and we had number six the year before. What more do you want? According to rivals, we're getting cream of the crop players. So it's got to be coaching, Gary. We're not developing these players. Pope is a five-star? Please. Come on. Manny, uh, I got, I, I'm so disgusted I can't even talk. I, I just you, want, you are? You, Manny, you are? I, never, I never would have known. <laughs> I never would have known you're disgusted, Greg. But if you're going to 
guy on the defense. Get rid of everyone. Let Banda go to Utah State. And like you said, let him take Packy with him. I'll buy his plane ticket, all right? You might, you might see all that happen. You, you might see a lot of it happen. Just wait. Yeah, I can I, see. I just told you I know what's happening. Yeah. Right, what do you know is happening? Wait, 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 wait. Don't hang up. Don't come I'm on the show and say you know what's happening and not tell us what's happening. I'm, I'm telling you, everyone's gone on that defense. On the that whole staff? staff? He's firing the whole yeah, staff? That's what I'm predicting. But, no, I don't want to hear what you're playing. I don't want to hear what you're predicting. You just said you know what's happening. I said I know people. That's all I'm going to say. Okay, well, what are they telling you? What are they telling you? These people, I just you know? told you what they told me. They told you he's firing the entire defensive staff? I just said the whole defensive staff. He's firing them all. That's, 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 what, I'm, that's what I'm hearing. I stand by it. Everything right, has his sources. I got mine, too. All right? Are they good? Are they good, sources? are they good sources? Yes, they are. Yes, they are. We'll all right. see what happens. All right, Greg. Just remember I was the first one who said it. If he okay. fires the entire defensive staff, I am going to remember that you were the first one that said that. No doubt. And that was five, those are five coaches we're talking about. Yeah. Well, one of them, might, I think Banda's leaving by, on his own. Okay, then four other ones. And Stroud is an easy move. You move him in, back into the administrative job he took in the first place. That's easy. Um, Packy, maybe he goes with uh, Banda. Banda. You know Baker. Yeah, you know, I don't know what you know, yeah, know what, what, what the deal would be with him. Back to uh, wherever he, Louisiana Tech. Oh, we'll, where he came yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. All right, but uh, we'll remember. remember, you, remember you, will. you will. We will. We'll remember you uh, said it first. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Greg. Happy New Year, take Greg. take care. Bye, wow, that would be the uh, the seismic um, move or blow that everyone's looking for. Firing the whole defensive staff. A year after you fired the whole offensive staff. Wow. Uh, it'll be interesting. We'll see. All right, 563-999-3550, 563-999-3550. You hit the one on your keypad. If you'd like to come on the show, let's go to the 561. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, what's up, Gary? It's Scooter DuPont. Hey, what's up, Scooter? Man, this, this is a wild show, huh? Yeah, you know what's funny about the show is like I could recognize the callers. And they all have like their own little personalities. It's becoming like a real show. Yeah, yeah, it's great. yeah. that that part yeah. of it's really really cool. I'm just like, man, people, the passion, like, wow. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm I'm pretty much more of an optimist. Um, I know you're probably you, you're probably gonna get a lot of uh, negativity tonight, just to give you the heads up. But I'm sure you already know that. Um, but you know, the difference between like a blowout and just like a close game is. It could be like a matter of like two or three strokes of luck, you know, like a Roche penalty or a Harley drop in a punt or even the just one or two calls can go your way and sort of like an avalanche can fall. Um, so, you know, I mean, you see it all throughout college football, too. A lot of people just watch the Hurricanes. You know, you saw like, for instance, uh, you know, Texas A&M uh, destroying that. Just, well, they lost Alabama like 52 to 24 and then they blew out Auburn. And Notre Dame, you saw what, when they played Clemson. I mean, teams, t- things can get out of hand real quick, especially with these offenses. And very rarely do you see teams hold good offenses. 
And that was a good offense. Like, their quarterback was just as good as our quarterback. And so, anyway, these, these games get out of hand and teams get blown out. And a lot of teams are – it's hard – it's difficult to win in college football. It's very difficult. Um, and, you know, everybody's kind of calling up and crapping on D. Wiggins and Pope. I mean, these kids are, have been our receivers. They, they, these kids have also I – know, I know they missed the kids. I know you're about to jump in. I <laughs> you, you got some fumes coming out your nose. But, I mean, like, okay, North Carolina. He had like eight catches. We came from behind. We won the whole game, and largely off of what him and Pope did. And even like the Virginia Tech game, he had he must have had over 100 yards in that game. He's caught a lot. I mean, he, these are our best guys. Um, there's this. Yeah, that's what I've been saying to everybody. You know, it sounds crazy, but like I don't think these coaches are are putting these kids out there because they don't think they're their best guys. Like, you know, Lashley, uh, Likens, like these guys want to win, man. Like they're not they're yeah. not like putting Pope and Wiggins out there because they think Keyshawn Smith is better, but they want to put the lesser guy on out there. Like no, I don't it, think I don't think that's the case. Yeah, and it's the same people that just want to throw everything away when when a little bit of adversity comes. They want to fire all the coach. They want to. You know, even coaches, not even players, look how bad coaches are doing. And look how many coaches have been fired. I was reading an article the other day on uh, – we were talking about how Gus, Gus Malzahn in Auburn. I don't, you guys know – well, yeah, he got fired. And they paid him like $21 million uh, for the buyout. Long, Kevin Sumlin was another one. They fired him in Arizona. These are coaches that we would have done anything for like two years ago. Mm-hmm. And they'll, they'll get fired in these programs like Will Muschamp. And the, the program will go into deep debt like deep, deep debt. And people think that these programs have all this money to play with. You could just look at Florida State and what happened with Willie Taggart. Um, I was reading that they owed him $20 million to do a, a buyout. $20 million. I know. I know. It's craziness. But, you know, if you're – listen, like we all obviously want to see success. But if we're honest, like we're talking about the defensive staff now and whatever. And, you know, they're good guys and all. But, like, listen – the, the the recruiting has been average as can be um, for five years now, without question. Mm-hmm. You know, ever ever since you know they 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 took over. I mean, it's it's been average. It's why we're watching the the, the, game, the game last night. And there's not you know there's just no talent. It's like people were asking me what I thought about the game, and I I was saying before the game like I don't see any talent on the defensive side of the ball. I don't know how they're going to stop yeah, anybody. But, um, you know, you but know, so. But but what I'm well, saying, you have Scooter, to have some perspective. I mean, look at, you know, okay, you don't like me. Look at, uh, say, for instance, Michigan and Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh is like the most revealed. Like he coached in San Diego Chargers. He coached San, San Francisco. He was an NFL coach, and he coached in Stanford. Like you couldn't have a better resume. This is what you know. I guess you always you want a you know this legitimate coach. You want you know some of these legitimate. This guy's on the verge of being fired too. He, he lost. I mean, he got blown out by first off Ohio State last year. Blown out. <clears throat> they ran up the score, and I'm. Um, he lost to Penn State earlier this year. Penn State was 0 and 5, and I think they lost to him. And his record's like 2 and 4. Yeah. Jim Harbaugh. I know. Tom Herman, another one, in Texas. I know. How bad they're getting ready. So they're getting ready to fire him in Texas. Yeah, you want to yeah, fire all? You want to fire? Let's fire Manny Diaz. Let's get another. Okay. Well, you know, you better make the right decision because the exact thing that they're asking for is if you look around college football, all of these highly revered coaches uh, are being fired and they're leaving behind like a trail of destruction. Yeah. 
Well, you know, like, like, all right. So, like, so what I was saying, like, so there's no, you know, the, the the talent is definitely questionable. Let's put it that way. I mean, the the the, the players that are being recruited are not developing into players, and the you're left with a with, with a bare cupboard, and and you're losing games. So, like, yeah, well, like, they lost three games. They, they lost three they lost games, but I mean, they they lost the only three games where the the guy that the they team they're playing can walk and chew gum. Mm, I mean, it, you know, it, I mean those, those are those are pretty good teams, and and like I said, the game got kind of got out of hand, and they pulled it back together. You know, of all people, Nikosi Perry. I think the guy Steve made a really good point that like Nikosi Perry kind of came in, and people don't give him a lot of credit, and people kind of you know shit on him, but but we pulled it together. I mean. It, I think it was like the North Carolina thing kind of carried over, and then they stopped it, and they almost they almost won that game. Um, so you got to give them some credit. I know it's all gloom and doom. You're, you're thinking, but they had a pretty good year. They went eight and three. Well, no, I'm a, no, what I'm thinking. We have a, what I was. What I was thinking was that if if Manny if if Greg's right and Manny is going to replace the entire defensive side of the football, he has reasons. Like he he has he has legitimate reasons. Like that the players they're selecting aren't good enough. They're not developing guys that they can feel like they can put in games. The players aren't improving. You take a guy like Gervin Hall, I mean, like that guy was supposed to be a good safety. Like he never makes a play. Never. Never they, makes a play on a ball well. in the air ever. They played pretty well. They played pretty well third and fourth. Scooter, like you might be the the defensive PR agency right now or something. Gervin Hall, tell me when you remember him making a play this entire well, season on a, on a ball play. in the air. Yeah, you see him when they miss plays, and also no, but a, look but at a ball in the air. When 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 is he? When is he cut in front of a receiver and made an interception? When do you like like when do you ever see the? We see guys making tackles after people catch the ball. We don't ever what see a play the on. Score? The what was the score yesterday? What was the score? Thirty-seven, thirty-four. No, I, I know they hung in there. They they they, they play <laughs> hard as hell. They play hard. Look at uh, the Texas A&M versus North Carolina game coming up. Watch watch how much points are going to be put. Points are scored. This isn't the old days where you could just play defense and, and kick the pump the ball. And these are high-powered octane. Look at what our offensive uh, staff was able to put together. I mean, these teams score points. Look at LSU last year. That's uh, the name of the game now. So I'm just saying. So you're, I, I know, you come I know from the school that Manny should not fire the defensive staff. That they're being held to an unfair standard that you don't fire the, the defensive staff. You don't, you know, hold them responsible well, for any shortfall. He's got to make some couple changes, but he's going to, you know, the defensive staff is his, it's his design. You know, he's, he's in control of the defense, and then Lashley's in control of the offense. That's the way. What is he there for if he's, he's just going to be a. Well, that's what I said. Yeah. I don't see that. Like, I don't, I don't see how that works. Yeah. Yeah. All right, anyway, Scooter, you guys remember, know? guys, uh, yeah, I'll let you go. But just remember, just firing Manny and who are you going to hire and sort of look around at these other coaches and what's going on in college football and have some perspective. So, yeah. All right. All right, Scooter, thank you. Happy New Year, man. I'll agree with him on that. I don't think he just fire at you – know, and we're not talking this year. It's not, But if, if things aren't better a year, two years down the road, I don't think you just fire Manny until you have somebody to replace him that's better. Uh, Because you can go on like this forever. 
you know, with this revolving door of coaches, like, you know, you got to, if you're Blake James, you got to do your damn job and you got to have somebody better on deck that is going to take the job before you just go and do one of these national searches. Cause what's the, you know, Scooter, what he said is very astute. Like people would have killed to hire Tom Herman when Texas hired Tom Herman. People would have killed to hire Harbaugh when Michigan hired Harbaugh. Sumlin was at Texas A&M when he went out to to, to, to Arizona, whatever, but he was a well-regarded coach. Uh, maybe not at the same level as those other two. But, yeah, there's coaches flaming out all over the place. So the answer is not just doing a coaching search, making a move for the sake of making a move. You got to make that move count. And you got to have a set of criteria for your program, which is what he should have had two years ago when Mark Richt retired. The first thing he had to understand, in my opinion, was that this program has a serious recruiting deficiency. And a, a guy that's able to recruit and put together a staff that can recruit should have been the number one credential before he got to, to anything else, because you can hire great coordinators to do the X's and O's. Um, but, you know, you can't, you can't always find guys that are great recruiters. Recruiting is hard. It's not easy, especially when you're Miami and you got to go head to head with all the SEC teams and stuff for the better players. It, it's, it's very difficult. And that should have been the number one criteria. And there was no criteria. And, and that's, you know, why we're not surprisingly in a little bit of the mess that we're in today. It's better as we sit here tonight than it was at this time last year. No, no question. But I think everyone would agree. Still a little messy, not to the point where we would like it. Let's go to the 706. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary, how you doing? It's your boy, Sebastian. I hope you had a good Christmas. Yeah. How you doing, Sebastian? Happy New Year. Hey, happy new year to you as well. Hey, Gary, I got three points and I just want to be able to kind of flush those out. And uh, I, I need to get your thoughts on it. I have series of other series of questions for you, but based upon a conversation about the fans that are out there, I need to get your take on it. So my, my issue really centers around coaching and how important it is to have a real definitive coaching resume. You know, coaches don't get, successful overnight. There's a lot of growing pains. There's a lot of things. Sometimes you have to have patience from the administrations to kind of give you the time you need to get to where you need to be. I mean, you know, the gold standard right now is Alabama, but Nick Saban, before he got to Alabama, was a head coach like three times. Yep. You know, Michigan State, he was successful there, and he, he learned a lot there. He got to LSU, you know, you know, did well there. He got to the Dolphins. It didn't work out when he got to the pros before he got to Alabama, okay? Um, I say that because, you know, there's not too many coordinators that's going off to be head coaches that are just really just successful, you know? I mean, I know we've talked about Dabo a little bit, but that's a that's kind of like a fluke. That's a fly-by-night. He was the wide receivers coach. He wasn't even an OC. He was the interim coach at the time, and, he won a couple games, and they took they rolled the dice, and it worked out for them. But you know, there's not. I mean, look at uh, Must, Will Muschamp. I mean, he didn't. You know, he was a good coordinator, but when he got to Florida, didn't work there. Didn't work in South Carolina. So I say that to say this, and this is my first point. Help me understand when you say, you know, Oklahoma State. Uh, you know, they, we thought they were going to run the ball, but they passed the ball a whole lot, and we just weren't prepared for that. 
I just need to get you under rationale because you've said that a couple times through the season that we saw something that we didn't see before. Do you not believe that that's coaching and we don't have the experience and, and that's why we're getting flat-footed and we look so bad? I need to understand your thought on that because well, I just don't think that's a excuse. I mean, that's part of it, but – you know, the other thing is you got to have players that can that can make quick adjustments too, and you know that's something that's kind of unknown to us on this side of the the equation. But but uh, you know they came out, and you know you're you're breaking down their film for the entire season. You're breaking down their mm-hmm. tendencies, and you're putting a game plan together based on those things. And so you're rolling out in the first quarter with your game plan that you put together and practiced the entire week and what you're suddenly going against has absolutely nothing to do with your game plan. So now you got to make adjustments and that's typical in football. Right. I mean, right, right. you know, adjustments are, are half the game, you know, and you have to adjust okay. your game plan and you got to be able to do it. Now you got to have coaches that are able to recognize they need to make adjustments. Um, right. They have to be able to communicate it down the line because each individual coach has to make the adjustments with his own position group. You know, so, you know, the D-line coach has to be able to go get with his group and say, this is what we're going to do. The linebacker coach has to be able to get with the linebackers and get them on the same page. The secondary coach has got to do, got to do that. It's not like one coach doing it with all 11 guys at one time. So there's a lot of adjustments mm-hmm. that need to be made on, on the fly. The teams that can make them the quickest are often the most successful. Um, a lot of teams can't do it. They've got to wait till halftime. And by the time they get around to halftime making those adjustments – um, you, you know, you've heard it. You watch football for a long time. You've heard, you always mm-hmm. hear people talk about halftime adjustments. Well, there's a lot of adjustments that take place at halftime. You've got a classroom setting. You're sitting in a locker room. You've got a chalkboard. Um, on the fly, on the sideline, when you're drawing it up on the little magnetic board and the, and the kids are tired as hell and they're trying to get Gatorade and get their win back and everything, it's a lot tougher. And um, the, the best coaches – are masters at making those quick adjustments, but not every coach is, is that clear. You would have to agree that some of that comes from experience. And, and, the, re- and the reason why I say that is because, I mean, you, you talk about the players. And I, I, want, I, want to, I want to give you a commercial by saying I don't disagree with you at all in relation to the recruiting, the development, and the talent and valuation. Par for the course. I'm not going to disagree with everything you said towards that. But when I look at a program like uh, Oklahoma State in North Carolina, I just think that for whatever reasons, those programs have not have figured out what it takes to coach and develop that talent. There wasn't a player on Oklahoma State's defense that I thought was like a bona fide NFL player. Maybe you disagree with me, but when I looked at uh, from their D line to their linebacker to the secondary, I didn't see somebody that said that guy is going to the league you know and when I look at North Carolina who was in the dumps who we beat like 59 to 0 a couple years ago in the Orange Bowl whacked us by putting 62 points I look at what Mac Brown did in just two years but look what Mac Brown's resume he was a coach at Texas and he was a coach at North Carolina so I just believe that there's a certain level of experience that needs to happen. So when, you know, when we're in the first quarter and after the first series, you can make those quick adjustments. And I believe that unless we're patient enough to endure 
which is going to be tough. Manny Diaz going through that. I don't see how we get there. I just don't see how we get there, you know. Um, and so that's why when you were talking about, well, they threw something at us that we didn't see, this fan base is not going to tolerate for that because what we see is we see that you hired a coordinator who doesn't who doesn't have coaching experience who has not been able to go through that. Oklahoma State has is traditionally an 8-3 and three team. Every now and then, they'll compete for the Big 12. Every now and then, they'll get to a big bowl. That's an average program. That's not an Oklahoma that's in the college football playoffs. And what I can't seem to understand is why Miami gets on the field and really can't compete against a team such as that. That's what I struggle with. And so if you don't if you disagree with me from a coach's perspective, then that's that's a conversation that we well, can have. I I, I think once the coaches got their act together, they did compete. You know, from the second quarter on, that was an even football game. It really not even an even football game. Miami had the edge from the second quarter on. They did they they did. So that brings that brings me to my next one. That brings me to my next one. And the last caller kind of set it up for me. You know, offenses these days are so powerful and so dynamic. It's it's you have to have real, real good defensive players and good defensive coaches to really, really be successful. Alabama's going up at the number one team in the nation, but they didn't have a great defense this year. It just didn't. They didn't have a good defense this year. So the next so the next point I want to make, what I want to say is, you know, during that game we had a chance two times to win that game. Two possessions in the fourth quarter where we could have won that game. You know, with like five minutes left and then like with three minutes left. The defense rose to the challenge. So mm-hmm. I so I but even with that, we still lost the game because I just don't think from a coaching perspective we were able to execute to a level where we could have won the game. Mm-hmm. So, well, so you know, this is what we've bought here. You know, we've bought a lab experiment. You know, I mean, you know, I mean, Manny's trying to do this on the fly and learn to be a head coach. And, and he had no network when he took when he got the job. So, you know, it wasn't like he was going to be able to put together an elite staff i mean he didn't have that kind of network he, he you know he just well that's why i say it may it may take us some time to let us grow through that the third point the third point i want to make is when he hired a staff like some of these other coaches who have been head coaches before there is a network infrastructure of areas they can tap in to acquire talent to bring it to where they're at whether it's alabama that's getting a lot of players from the dnc the D, uh, dc area whether it's like basketball with Jim Laranega, who's getting players around the Philadelphia, Baltimore, Washington, D.C. area. Without being a previous head coach, you just don't have that ability of where those pockets where you can get those talent in to bring it in. So my, yep. my question for you is when you say that we have a recruiting talent evaluation, it has to be at the top of the list when you're putting a coaching staff together in relation to what kind of players were you able to recruit that you were able to get? No you know, question. That, that, but that when you but, but when you don't have a clue like who to hire and 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 you don't have your own personal network of guys that you can call upon. Yeah, I'll give you an example. All right, Jimbo Fisher. You know the, the history with him. Yeah. You, you, yep, you know he yep, bounced yep. from LSU, Florida State, whatever. Now he's at Texas A and M. Okay, so he's at Texas A and M. 
he's got the infrastructure of a program that could be a top tier SEC program. They were, you know, they almost made the playoff this year. And this is his, I guess, second year there. Um, Mm-hmm. Second or third? Second or third? I'm trying to remember. But anyway, mm-hmm. it's second or third year. I, I'd have to look up whether it's a second or third. But anyway, so he's he's there at Texas A&M. He's been a head coach. He's got a network of coaches that have worked for him or with him at LSU and Florida State or whatever. And he needs uh, another recruiter. He needs a, a, an offensive coach that he can bring in there that can recruit like there's no tomorrow. So who does he get? He goes over to to Georgia and pulls James Coley, okay, who has been an elite recruiter at Florida State, Miami, Georgia, has proven that he can yeah. go out he can go out and get it done as a recruiter. He's got the network. He goes and he grabs James Coley and gets him to come to Texas A and M and suddenly he makes his Texas A and M staff significantly better. Now he's got a coach that's been a coordinator at Miami and Georgia. He's got a a coach who's been a great recruiter throughout his career and, and, and he brings them on his staff. Like that's the level that the teams that are successful, that's the game they're playing. Okay. That's, that's the move. That's the move they're making. Yeah. That's, and, and that's what I'm talking about when I say coaching, because not only is Coley a good recruiter, he has ties to South Florida. He has commitment from South Florida players. And I can continue to see that pipeline continuing to blossom and to continue to go on. You know, I, def, I, I, def, I definitely see that happen. So with that all being said, we are where we are. We have to do what we need to do. I mean, n- last night not seeing them play some of that young talent at the receiver position, at the defensive end position, is so alarming to me. It is so alarming to me, and, and here's why. What was out on the field wasn't great. And so and to not play those other guys tells me that you don't even believe that those, th- those players are any better or could have made any type of additional impact. From cornerback, you know, I mean, from receiver. I mean, Keyshawn Smith, I mean, he only got in a couple of plays. That was a hell of a catch. Mm-hmm. That he made. And that flea flicker that Mark Pope missed, I just believe, Gary, Keyshawn Smith is making that catch. And the reason why I feel that way is he's made that catch before. He did that in the Clemson game. Mm-hmm. He had a flea flicker, and that's probably, I think, his only catch of the Has, year. Yeah, he's barely gotten a, barely he, gotten a chance to play. It, the the question he, is why. And I got to try to find out why. That, yeah. that, is, that is my question, Gary. So, I mean, I can't talk forever, and I know I don't know if this is going to be the last call that you're going to show for the half of the year. If you would just remember this conversation in relations to head coaching experience matters. Because the teams matters. we're losing to, they are not great, nor do they have great players. When I say great players, there's nobody on Oklahoma State's defense I saw last night that I can envision getting drafted in the NFL. No, nope. we cannot continue to lose to teams like them. And so yep. what kind of changes we need to make? So just kind of keep me on hold. Just remember this right. conversation. Just remember what we talked about, okay? And I'm with you 100%, Sebastian. Thank you. Uh, great, phenomenal points, and uh, Happy New Year to you. Yeah, like the, these teams, I'm telling you, they're playing a different game than Miami. They're, 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 they're a higher-level game. 
you know, they're and they're playing for it all. And uh, you know, think about that. James Coley, Jimbo Fisher hires a James Coley and gets him to come be a basically a position coach. You know, Coley's been a coordinator now for what a decade. He was Golden's offense coordinator here. Went to Georgia as a coordinator. Um, so what's you know what what are we looking at? Six, seven, eight years, nine years. He's been a coordinator, and uh, Jimbo was able to get him to come beyond the staff at Texas A&M. Texas A&M almost made the playoff this year. That's the level game and the level of coaching that these teams that are winning in college football are playing with. Nick Saban, when he loses a coach, he goes out and gets a dude. He's got former head coaches just hanging out in the offices at Alabama, helping out any way they can to make that program better. That's that's the game that the team that's in the playoff every single year is playing. Clemson's got as good a staff as any team in the country. That's the game that they're playing. That That's the game that Miami – to ever accomplish anything in football again has to be able to beat. Okay. And, and, and we're sitting down here, you know, playing games, you know, the, the way we are and uh, wondering why we're in the position that we're in. And uh, it's, it's obvious to me, it's like totally obvious. And it starts with Blake James and you know, the clock's running like he's going to have to more than likely. I mean, we can, we can fire the whole coaching staff every year. And keep playing this game, you know, where we fire, you know, four guys at a time and, and, you know, and and whatever. But at some point, you know, Blake James is going to have to make another move or whoever replaces Blake James is going to have to make a move. They better be ready to make it because I don't know how many decades they expect this fan base you know, to, to just keep going through this. It's, it's not, you know, this program has way too much potential to do way too many great things to be going through this year after year after year. And, you know, it's, it's weird. We know they won eight games this year and yes, it was, it was a step forward and it was an improvement, but I think we were smacked here these last couple of weeks that a lot of it was artificial. Let's go to the eight five zero. You're live on Kane sport live. Gary. Yes, sir. Who's this? How you doing? This is Ty from Daytona, man. First time caller. I know you only got a little time left on your show, so I'll keep it. Well, man, we got time. We got First time for you. Shoot, what you got? Okay, I appreciate that, man. I've been a member of the board for hell twenty years now, man. It's my first time ever calling into the show, so I appreciate you taking my call. First of all, prayers out to Dear King. I, I was hoping it was a knee sprain. If it's worse, prayers go out to him. He seems like a great kid. Uh, he definitely earned his U against uh, NC State. The boy played his butt off. He left it all on the line, and then he was coming back. So I, I, he'll always be a hurricane to me no matter where he started out at. But I want to talk about, your, talk about your point about transfers. You're absolutely right. These guys are essentially mercenaries, okay? They are hired guns, as you see in Roche and Phillips. I'm coming in, I'm doing a job, and I'm leaving. It hurts the program in the long run. It may help immediately, but it hurts us in the long run. Think about Gary Sheffield. He played for nine teams in 12 years. He was great at what he did, but he was a mercenary. He had no loyalty to anybody. You see what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's what transfers do. We take a scholarship away from a guy who could be developed and be here for three years and leave and give it to a guy who's going to be here essentially for one. He's just here to get his. And KJ Osborne was great for us last year. I, I, I appreciate what he did. He helped the program out a lot. He definitely helped the receiver room. Now, on to wide receivers, I want to talk about a couple of things the first couple of callers said. If we have Braxton Berrios last night, we win that game. The reason is he was a dog. 
Mm-hmm. He had dog in him. Braxton Berrios had that attitude of how dare you touch my ball. I will fight for that ball. It's mine. Mark Pope's problem is he doesn't catch the ball with his hands. He lets everything hit him in the stomach. The, the, the flea flicker hit him in the stomach. It went through his hands. The bomb that would have won the game down to the five-yard line, he let it get to his stomach. You have to put your hands above your head and make a hands catch. I don't see our receivers fighting for the ball like the receivers for even Oklahoma State. They had a guy make a diving catch. They had a guy make a sliding catch. You had the play where Smith got lost in coverage. What did that guy do? Did he let it hit his stomach? No, he jumped up, caught the ball with his hands, and landed on Smith's shoulders. And Smith basically carried him into the end zone. Because he didn't let the ball come to him, he went up and attacked it. Mm. You have to have that dog in you as a wide receiver to attack the ball. I don't know what our guys are being coached, but they don't do that. We, may, we, we watch receivers from other teams make incredible catches. The only one we saw last night was from Smith, who made a great diving catch. If he was an inch taller, that foot drags, and that's a touchdown. Those are the type of plays that receivers at a D1 level are supposed to make. On to another point, when we're talking about coordinators, it's a hierarchy in a coaching staff. Think of Manny as essentially Darth Vader. Okay, when he walks in, he oversees it all. But the rest of you little minions, y'all do y'all's job. If you don't, I'll replace you. I'm a huge Star Wars fan. Think of Empire Strikes Back. Vader killed three people. By the end of the movie, a guy who was a lieutenant was essentially an admiral because he killed the two people in front of him. If you're not catching the ball, I'm Manny Diaz. I look at Rest Lashley, and I tell him, you tell your wide receiver coach to put somebody in the game who will catch the ball, or I'm going to have your ass. And Lashley will turn to his wide receiver coach because there are many staffs in the staff. The defensive staff essentially work for the defensive coordinator. It's his defense. The offensive staff work for the offense coordinator. I'm lastly, I look to my wide receiver coach, and I say, you put somebody in the game who will catch the damn ball. If I'm the mm-hmm. wide receiver coach, I say, Restepo, stretch. You cannot be any worse. These guys are Division One wide receivers. They've been catching football since they were eight years old. It is what you do. As a freshman, Restepo, Smith, Peyton, the other guy, I'm forgetting his name, one of y'all got to be it. You can catch a ball. That guy who killed us last night, he had three touchdowns. What class was he, Gary? Freshman, North I think. Oklahoma State. He was a he freshman. Was a freshman. Yeah. He was a freshman. Caught yeah. one ball in his life. He killed us last night. He was a yeah, freshman. Yeah, exactly. He practiced the whole damn year, and they, they, they felt comfortable putting him in the game, and he performed. Our freshman sat on the bench. Exactly. But even so – Restepo has more catches in his career than that kid did last night. Yeah. Smith has more catches in his career than that kid did last night. If you're not performing as a junior or a senior, I've got a freshman here who's been catching balls his whole life. We're not talking about guys we grabbed off the street and are are running D1 patterns. These are Division I scholarship-wide receivers. They've been catching balls since they were knee-high to a T-high. They may not know the playbook. Call the plays they know. Put them in the game. To another point that you made about coordinators, you're right. It is going to be hard for Manny Diaz to let go of his defense, but he's going to have to. If he wants to keep his $4 million a year job, he ain't got no choice. He got to let it go. A lot of guys ain't going to come here and work for a guy who they think they're more qualified than. But I tell you what, I teach American government, and we have a saying. Every senator looks in the mirror and sees a president. 
every position coach looks in the mirror and sees a coordinator, and every coordinator looks in the mirror and sees a head coach. Call Tim Walton. He's up in Jacksonville coaching DBs. We ran him out of here when he was a defensive coordinator. And what did he do? He went and hung around the NFL for a decade. He's the defensive coordinator of the St. Louis Rams. Mm-hmm. He's coaching DBs up in Jacksonville now. Call him. Say, hey, man, you, you want to be a coordinator and a head coach one day. He's 49 years old. He's a young man. He don't want to be a DB coach forever, but he's been a DB coach in the NFL. He's been a defensive coordinator in the NFL. Call him. Ask him, hey, man, you want to come down here and coordinate the defense? That is a stepping stone to a head coach position. Nobody wants to get yelled at on the sideline as a position coach. Nobody wants to get yelled at like Lane Kiffin up in Alabama from Saban. I want to be a head coach. I do the yelling. That is a natural progression of a coach. I want to be in charge, my own thing. Give him a call. There are 100 guys out there just like Tim Walton. He's been to Miami before. He lived here. He was a coach here. He may come back. You just said Jimbo Fisher hired Coley. Coley was a coordinator here. What was he doing? Coaching uh, somebody. He was the offensive coordinator for a little while, then he was a position coach. Now he's an offensive coordinator again on his way to being a head coach. That's the natural progression. Call these guys up. Manny let go of the defense. Tim Walton walked into a recruit's after, uh, uh, home this afternoon. I was a defensive coordinator in the NFL. The problem the last caller just said, oh, we're seeing something we haven't seen before. When you get to a Division One Power 5 school, you're an offensive and defensive coordinator, there should be nothing you have not seen before. You have mastered your craft. Whatever the defense is doing against me, I know how to attack that. Just like whatever the offense is doing against me, I know how to attack that. That's because I have this experience doing it. Tim Walton has been at the highest level of football for 10 years. I've seen everything. It shouldn't take to halftime to make an adjustment because you know what the other team is going to do at halftime? They're going to adjust what they've been doing. We know they're going to make adjustments. Okay, we're sending this blitz. We're doing this. We're doing this. It shouldn't take us to halftime to figure this out. Maybe two possessions. Clemson sent a zero blitz all night against us. We couldn't do anything against it. The next game, everybody else tried it, and we won two games throwing a slant over the middle against the zero blitz. Harley took one to the house and Pope took one to the house because they sent a zero blitz. That's the adjustment for it. It took us a game to figure that out. No, this is something, okay, this is what they're doing. I can fix that right now. That's what great coaches do. I've seen everything. Nick Saban has seen every single offense planet Earth. He can adjust his defense to whatever they're doing on the fly. My last point is going to go back to the first caller. I don't, I don't, no, 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 the third call. I don't think we should fire everybody. I don't want anybody to lose their job. I've been fired before. It is not fun. I don't think we should fire everybody. I do think the defensive coordinator has to go. You cannot set records in games and keep your job. Mac Brown fired Manny after Texas gave up a record number of points and yards. Baker, if that's Manny's defense, then obviously I need to let it go. Teams have figured me out. They know how to attack it, and I can adjust to it. I'm going to bring in a guy, and I'm going to give it his show. Manny can be a CEO. There have been several CEO coaches. Bowden then called to play in 20 years when he retired. I am the figurehead. I oversee all of it. You guys pretty much do your thing. If I need to interject and say, no, we're going on fourth down, or no, we're going to fake this point, then I'll do that. But for the most part, it's your show. Manny's never been a football player. He never had his hand in the dirt, as they say. 
that doesn't mean he can't be a successful coach. As long as he's willing to let go of his pride for $4 million a year, I sell my mother. Get damn about Brian. <laughs> yeah, good, good point, Todd. <laughs> I'll, tell you, I'll tell you where my grandmother hides her money if you give me $4 million a year. You know <laughs> I, this is not about pride. No, I, I will keep this $4 million job a year, and I'll fire everybody around me if I have to do it. If I need to make changes, they need to be made. He could be a successful head coach. He's a son of Miami. He wants to be here. He can be our Bobby Bowden. Imagine what we'd be if Butch hadn't left, if Erickson, if, if Jimmy had stayed. And Jimmy says that was one of the greatest of his life, that he, left, he won two Super Bowls. Schnellenberger said the hardest thing he did was leave the University of Miami. Manny wants to be here. This is the dream for him. He could be our Bobby Bowden, lead us to 15 straight top 10 finishes and a couple of titles in there. He would love to do that. But to do that, he already replaced his offensive staff, and we've seen an improvement there. Replace the defensive staff and let it go. Just let it go, Manny. This is not about pride. This is about $4 million a year. When you're making that much money, you are supposed to be a master at what you do. And if what you do is go to press conferences, talk to boosters, and hire great coordinators, then do that. You don't have to be a great X's and O guy. Plenty of coaches have been, have been great coaches and not great X and O guys. I can just be a manager. You know what I do? I hire a great coordinator. We cannot continue to have Calvin Ridley, Amari Cooper, Dalvin Cook. These guys are from Miami. Mm-hmm. Those, that's, this, this, those guys went to other programs and won titles for them. You can't, you can't lose those type of guys and continue to win significant games. Those guys should be at home. We, any coach would love to come here because we sit in the middle of the most fertile recruiting ground in the country. Guys from Miami go to other places and become stars. That cannot happen. We have to keep those guys home. Every once in a while, you'll hit lightning in a bottle. You'll get an Ed Reed from Louisiana, three-star, overseas, I mean, overlooked. But for the most part, those killers come from here defensively and offensively. We have to keep those guys home. We lost another one this year, five-star from down here, went to Alabama. No, yep. those guys got to stay home. And in order to do that, you have to be able to sell them something. You have to be able to say, hey, I coach ball in the NFL. We're going to run an NFL scheme here. I've been doing it 10 years. Here's how I'm going to use you. And then those guys will stay home. We, got a, we, we had a couple of hits on recruiting this year. We got a couple of guys coming in that should be able to help. Avante will be back next year. You're right about Gervin Hall. The kid was a great high school player. These guys are great players. I have never seen Gervin Hall make a play on the ball. Never, never. makes a play. Unbelievable. All right, Todd, I hey, never. listen. Um, promise me that you'll become a regular caller on the show. You made some, you know, I you made some great, I enjoy myself. You made some great points. And uh, have, have a great New Year. You too. Happy New Year, Gary. Listen, go Kane. I hope everybody's healthy and safe over the holidays. Thanks for, thanks for picking me up, Gary. All right, Todd. Thank you. All right, 563-999-3550. Hit the one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. This edition of Kane Sport Live is brought to you in part by JFQ Lending. With interest rates below 3%, there's never been a better time to lock in a low fixed interest rate on your mortgage. You'll never need to think about refinancing again. You set it and you forget it. And with JFQ Lending, you're guaranteed to get the highest level of customer service. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and over 3,000 five-star reviews. 
So give Kyler Koppelman a call today at 323-607-8802. That's 323-607-8802. Or email Kyler directly at kkoppelman. That's K-K-O-P-P-E-L-M-A-N at jfqlending.com. JFQ Lending, Inc. is an equal access lender licensed in over 40 states. Let Kyler save you guys some money. You can do refinances, first mortgages, whatever you need. Uh, Give him a a shout, and he'll do the best he can for you. And that information I just read, you can get on the message board at canesport.com anytime you want. Let's go out to the 727. You're live on Canesport Live. 727, you with us? Going once. Going twice. All right, next time. Let's go to the 917. You're on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary. What's up, BK or Kane? What's up, BK? How you doing this week? What's going on? Sorry I missed last week, man. I was too stressed out. <laughs> and you're not this week? No, well, you know what? It's a, different, it's a different form of stress. I had to, like, really try to figure out what was going on, and I haven't, just like everybody else. Um. Shit, man, just watching the game just, 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 just was was painful in a sense of that. The University of Miami is at a point where I'm watching this game and I'm seeing three basic areas of deficiency: list wide receivers, linebacker, and defensive back. Now, historically, University of Miami; those are positions that should basically recruit themselves. The number of wide receivers we put in the NFL, too recent, you know, you know, Reggie Wayne is probably going to go into the Hall of Fame. Michael Irvin is in the Hall of Fame. Then you go to the linebackers. You got the Barrows. You got the Darren Smiths. You got the um, Ray Lewises. Then you got the defensive backs. You know, those are all, all positions where historically Miami shouldn't have any problems. But those are the three positions where right now are the most positions of need for us. And it was painful to watch that we are so much devoid of talent at those positions. It was painful to watch. Yeah, it was painful. Like, these are three, you know, granted, you know, we had the great quarterbacks, the Dorseys, the, the Toretta's, the, the Ericsons. You, 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 we had those, but that's not what the University of Miami is known for. What what the what the University of Miami is known for? We always had the good defensive linemen, the Saps, uh, you know, and so on. The linebackers were terrible. The cornerbacks were terrible. The wide receivers were terrible. And that's what I can't wrap my brain around. You know, positions that historically at other schools would just recruit themselves almost, mm-hmm. and we can't recruit the caliber of player needed to just. Not even to be great or not even to be elite, but just to be good. Like, we don't have any good wide receivers. I know people like to throw the word elite around all the time on this board, and you have to constantly correct them. We do not have one good wide receiver on this team right now. No. Not one. Not one. And that's that's driving me crazy. And God bless the Corey Couch. He's got all the talent in the world. Except for he doesn't have the vertical talent. He's not a tall kid. Right. Granted, this kid is six feet tall. They're not picking on him at all. He's a he's a shutdown corner if he's six feet tall. 
You know, yeah, it's, it's just driving me crazy. Everyone's talking about, okay, he's got to make changes, he's got to make changes, he's got to make changes. By the time this whole thing is done, Banda is going to gift him, is going to gift him probably three more years. Because Banda's going to go. He's probably going to take Patsy with him. Stroud is going to move out of the defensive line coach and back into the front office or whatever, administrative office, whatever. Yep. Then essentially all he would have to do is get rid of Mike Rump, somebody that's not one of his guys anyway. Yep. He's going to validate keeping keeping Blake Baker. Okay, I could keep Baker. Let me just get rid of, you know, now I have an opportunity to fill the rest of the, you know, the other coaching spots, right? And hopefully he can fill them with good recruiters, better recruiters, guys who have ties to South Florida and other places that could go out there and find what it is Miami's looking for. And just to say on the recruiting front, right, I know we have a recruiting uh, uh, department, right, run by Cooney and those guys, right? And I think uh, Prada's brother is part of that whole thing. Yeah, those guys actually do a good job. That's The, the guys that do the real – the relationships are, are really good. Right. It's just we don't have it, it's just we don't have anybody who's got expertise to sit there and and break down players and 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 make decisions on talent. Like I don't think there's anybody like that in the program. We, there's nothing that I know of unless somebody just suddenly appeared and is hiding in a closet somewhere. Right. That, you know? That's my right. That's my point. Like. You know, we have this whole recruiting department, and granted, we've hit. You know, we've hit on on some on at some positions. We've hit. You know, we have definitely hit at some positions, but those positions where we are lacking, like what's going on there? Like, what's going on? Everybody is everybody just kind of keeping their fingers crossed and hoping that the problem magically fixes itself. Like, I just don't get it. And and then now I'm even starting to second guess the entire South Florida thing. You can't build an entire recruiting class off of South Florida kids. Absolutely cannot. Just, I, I said that cannot. months ago. You cannot. I'm that is correct. I'm tired of hearing that because I had to go back and let, actually analyze it. I went back and looked at Alabama's recruiting classes last three years, Ohio State recruiting classes the last three years, LSU, all the big-time schools. You know what they do in South Florida, Gary? They identify one guy and say, this is the guy we want. They get him, and then they're out of there. Alabama's not snatching up three or four guys a year from Florida? No. Now, you've got a little bit of a different situation here, BK, in in that you are in South Florida, and South Florida is a hotbed, and you do have a lot of players that can play college football from this area. But you don't have 20 of them them that are of the ability level that – the University of Miami should be striving to get. That's the point I'm trying to make. Even if they have 100 kids, out of those 100 kids, only 20 of them, maybe, are the caliber of even getting looked at by Ohio Not even State. 20. Not even 20. Okay, see, you're even proving my point even more. I was being generous. No. Alabama so comes are- down here. Alabama comes down here and recruits two kids, maybe. Those are the two best kids in Florida. Yeah, two, three kids the that that, that they that they feel are good enough and fit their program. They you know they took the the, the kid from uh, St. Thomas, the linebacker, and they and they took the receiver that you mentioned who was at Booker Key T who went to IMG. Um, yep. they, maybe they recruited one more or something, but they're not coming. They're not. They're they're looking to pick the best of the best 
that fit their program. And then they're moving on to the next area and trying to trying to recruit the best of the best. And that's and they have the they have the juice to do it successfully. And that's why they're in the playoff every year. That's exactly why they're in the playoffs every year. Let's look at South Florida for what it is. All these teams come to South Florida to get that one offensive skill, skill position player. They're not, you know, every once in a while, a, a good linebacker will come out of Florida that, 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 that Alabama will snatch up. But they're getting DBs and wide receivers only from Florida. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they know where to get the DBs and the wide receivers, and they're going to get the best ones, and then they're moving on to another state and just start recruiting nationally. You know, so so this whole thing that we're building, this whole thing, maybe there's too much South Florida on this team. Too much. Maybe it's too much of that same mindset, that mindset of, well, this is us, we deserve this, and, you know, that sense of entitlement or whatever. But I... I I can't, I can't, I can't figure it out. I can't. Well, I think it, it makes it also harder for the out-of-state kids and stuff because they come here and they're like, I'm not getting a fair shake. Like, you know, like, you know, the the, the DB that flamed out from Alabama who left this year, uh, the cornerback Christian Williams. You know, I don't know how much of a factor that was, but I'm sure it was somewhat of a factor. And you know, they come in, they see the local kids are getting the play, and they're not. And you know, you can't piss off the local kids because you're trying to go into that high school and recruit a kid uh, to come in the next class. And um, you know, I'm sure the receivers are a little frustrated. You know, right the now the young receivers like Keish, like like Keyshawn Smith and. You know, Michael Redding and Jeremiah Payton and these guys that aren't getting the play while the Dade County kids are getting the play and aren't playing well. You know, I mean, it it, it, it becomes a problem. They're spending too much time trying to keep these Dade County kids happy. I get it. But just if you just handpick the Dade County kids that you want and broaden your your, you know, like your recruiting I know we may not have the ability to because of what we have, and our staff is mostly set up to recruit South Florida or Florida or the state of Florida, so to say. You know, we don't have anyone with roots in, you know, in um, California, Louisiana, Pennsylvania, Ohio. You know, all the big time, all all these big metropolitan states, so to say, that have a, a hot, you know, that are in, you know, within themselves a hotbed in recruiting for football. South Florida is not the be-all, end-all of of recruiting in anymore. You know, everybody figured that out years ago. Yeah. Everybody figured that out years ago. We're not the be-all, end-all. We just they these these outside schools come and get what they're looking for, and then they move on. They're not building their entire program with South Florida kids. Look at how it backfired on Nebraska. Yep. All right, BK. Um, get all these South Florida kids, and they bailed on him. Yep, no doubt, no doubt. All right, you have a great New Year. <laughs> thank, you, thank, too, thank you so much for being part of the show all year. And uh, I don't know when the next one's going to be. We'll, we'll we'll wait for something to happen. But um, appreciate yeah, your I'm input. Sure each something's going to happen soon. <laughs> well, we'll see. I mean, Greg. Yeah, Greg. I don't know if you heard Greg earlier. He play, he thinks the whole defensive staff's being replaced. He he might be right. I mean, I could see it. I, I could see be that happening because I think they're going to be replaced by circumstance. Once once Banda goes, he'll probably take Packy with him. Stroud yep. will move out of there. They'll let go of Rump, and by default, 
you're quote unquote replacing the defensive staff. But yeah. uh, you know, except for Blake Baker. So we have to wait and see. But I think we'll Banda see. is going to take that position in Utah. Yep, looks that way. All right, BK. All right, Gary. Thank you, Thanks man. A lot. Keep me going. Have a happy New Year. Let's go to the three eight six. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, how we doing tonight, Gary? Doing great. Who's this? All right, it's Will again. Uh, hey, what's up, Will? Things, couple of things real quick. Uh, number one, my personal opinion, I don't think Blake Baker is the is the only problem on the defensive side of the ball. But I want to go back to something you said earlier in the show about defensive coordinators. You don't think, hypothetically speaking, you don't think that if he wanted to, Manny Diaz could get or uh, Jim Levitt, um, yeah, but Jim, I had Randy, Jim Levitt, Randy Shannon, or, or the guy, uh, Charlie Strong, you don't think he could get one of those to come to Miami if he wanted to? Number one, I don't know. But Levitt was just run out of Oregon. Uh, Randy's holding on for his life at Central Florida. They had a horrendous defensive year this year. If, if, if our defense had a year like their defense, you definitely would be firing everybody. Um, Charlie Strong, as a former head coach, is probably looking to be a head coach again, uh, would be more likely to be an analyst at like a place like Alabama or something for a year. He's probably still getting paid by South Carolina. Um, he's probably looking for a head coaching job. I don't know if, if he would come work for Manny or not. Um, but, you know, maybe he would. Like, you know, it, it'd, it'd be worth a phone call. But, but again, Manny Diaz was Charlie Strong. See, that's the thing. Like, he was Charlie Strong. Um, he was a defensive coordinator who's now getting a head coaching opportunity. Uh, so he's not going to be sitting there thinking, I got to go get Charlie Strong because I need somebody better to run my defense because he's thinking I'm going to run my defense as well or better than anybody. That's what I think. Now, I could end up being wrong very easily, and he could fire everybody and bring in somebody to run the defense, and he could be, be in, in spring practice, be standing on the practice field with his arm crossed, just watching everything. That could happen. I'm not saying it can't. But, you know, I, I just have a hard time picturing that. So we'll see. Well, like I say, I don't think Blake Baker is the only problem on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, the next thing is, uh, is it true now that Miami is the team to beat for Terrence Lewis? Uh, I don't think so. No, we th- we we think he's going to Maryland. We've been we've been hearing for weeks that he wasn't going to Miami. I I do not think Miami's the team to beat for Terrence Lewis. You know, we'll see if that changes, but everything that we've we're hearing is that he's going to go to Maryland. All right, and my final point is this this is what I need help with right here. This is the most head-scratching thing to me about Miami, and I really need help with this. Miami, you look at 80% of their roster. Those, they, 80% of their roster, those guys could have gone anywhere in the country, and it is mind-boggling to me. Why you can not only this coaching staff, you can go back to Mark Rick, Al Golden. Why is it such a tough task to get all these highly recruited guys to number one, develop these guys, and number two, get them to play at a high level? Great question. 
Great, great question. I mean, I think it starts at the beginning. It starts with the evaluations that take place before guys are recruited. It then it it progresses from there. You know, once you're signing guys, do you have good enough coaches developing them? Um, did 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 you evaluate them properly? Are are you know, like I've been saying this on the message boards. Like maybe like maybe Gervin Hall is playing at his ceiling. Like you know, some of these guys. Maybe Mark Pope is playing at his ceiling. You know, maybe Bradley Jennings is playing at his ceiling. And if that ceiling's not good enough and you are developing them the best you can develop and it's not good enough, then you made a bad evaluation. You know, so it's a so complicated – it's complicated. So you're, it, it, you're it could be a number of you're, things, Willie. It could be a number of different things. So, so you're telling me that three head coaches, three coaching staff is not doing a good enough job at evaluating kids and get, getting kids to play at a high level. Three coaching staff, three head coaches. I mean, because I don't think this team, I, I don't think this team played at a high level on the Golden Ori. Not just Manny, but Golden Ori. Mm-hmm. I think I think those two previous coaches also underachieved with a lot of highly recruited players. Mm-hmm. But anyway, you know, like I say, that is the most head-scratching thing to me about Miami. I just can't figure it. How all these two and three stars go to Texas Christian, Boise State, and and turn out to be better than all these highly recruited. I mean, look at Coastal Carolina. I, I would bet money Coastal Carolina, if they played Miami in a bowl game, they probably would beat them. And, and you probably won't even find a three-star on Coastal Carolina. Mm-hmm. That is the most head-scratching thing to me about this program. Yeah. Anyway, this... happy new year. Happy... All right, Willie. Thanks for being part of the show, man. Yeah, I mean, he's right. I mean, listen, let's be honest. I mean, Miami will finish somewhere like around 25, probably in the final rankings, but might not even be a top 25 team right now. Um, you know, it's 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 just hard to wrap your arms around. But I think, you know, different problems come into play in different situations. I, it's just not one thing. I, it's a lot of things. Let's go to the three, four, seven. You're live on Kane sport live. Three, four, seven. You with us? Going one. Yep. There you are. Hello. Yep. Who's, uh, who's this? How you doing, Gary? My name doing is Kevin. Who's this? First time Kevin. Hey, what's up, Kev? Welcome to the show, man. Where you been all these years? <laughs> I've been, I, I've just been listening. Just, just been listening. Well, you must have something good tonight. So shoot, what you got? Uh, just you know, just just like you know, just like everyone else, uh, frustrated with the program so far. Um, just curious to, uh, to to get your your thoughts on um on this question I want to ask you. Do you think Manny Diaz is the right is the right guy for uh, for this program as head coach? Yes, yes, as head coach. Well, you know, I, I, I think there's some inherent problems. I mean, I, 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 th- I think that he's learning on the fly, which is very difficult. I think he struggled to hire a coaching staff, which is not unpredictable. It's why you don't hire a first-time head coach. And now we're sitting here talking about firing the defensive staff a year after he fired pretty much the whole offensive staff. That's no way to build a program, you know, firing all your coaches all the time. Um, you know, the, the, this, these are the prices that are being paid for the decision that Blake James made. Uh, you know, we're, we still haven't, we're two years in, there's still not a signature victory. 
have not come close to beating anybody any good in in these couple years that he's been a head coach. So he's trying to be he's trying to be a head coach. He's trying to learn what it takes to be a head coach. Man, he is a smart guy, um, but he's fighting an uphill battle. And I don't know that he's good. You know, if I had to make a bet right now that he's going to make it, no, I would, I would bet that he's not like, I would bet that next year we're going to lose the same three, four, five games again. And then he's going to be on the hot seat going into the year after that. And then we, you know, we'll see what happens then. But like, I don't, I just don't, I don't like the direction that I see this going. I don't like, I'm not surprised by it, but I don't like looking out at the defensive side of the football last night at the bowl game and saying, you know, where is the, the talent, you know, and we could use excuses about the two transfer defensive ends being missing in action, but where is the talent that's been recruited that should have been being developed this year behind those two guys? Um, you know, Harvey was out there. He had a couple moments, played okay. Cam Williams was out there. He had a couple moments, played okay. Um, and there was really nobody else. I mean, we're experimenting with Zach McLeod at defensive end. Um, you know, where Chance Williams didn't make it on the field. Um, you know, a couple of the other freshmen and, uh, didn't make it on the field. And, and you know, it's, it's hard to be encouraged looking at the defensive side of the football where you you have a depleted defensive line position, a depleted linebacker position, um, a lot of questions in the secondary, the cornerbacks haven't held up, the safeties never make plays. You've got some supposed good young safeties coming into the program with an Avante Williams coming off the injured list, you know, with a James Williams coming in, but they're going to be freshmen next year who have never played college football. Uh, I mean, how are they? They're, they're going to turn the program. So, yeah, I'm extremely concerned. I'm not going to, you know, I, I've never sugarcoated anything and I'm not going to start now. I'm extremely concerned with what I see on the defensive side. I'm much more encouraged by what I see on the offensive side. Um, but the De'Ara King injury could throw a monkey wrench in that because he was going to be the stability of quarterback next year that if he can't play, and we don't even know yet what the extent of the injury is, um, but if he can't play to start the season next year, then that throws everything up in the air because now you're playing a freshman quarterback, most likely who's never played before, like, you know, Tyler Van Dyke, uh, Garcia. Um, if Nikozi comes back, he might be able to hold you down for a while, but we've seen enough of Nikozi that we know he's not going to give us the level that he played at last night. Most likely he can't sustain that over a season. I mean, you know, I don't think. I mean, maybe uh, a fifth-year Nikozi is a different beast than what we've seen. He certainly was last night. But that would be a question mark. But there's still things to be encouraged about offensively. I think we've got a few really good running backs. Uh, we've got to see what happens at receiver. You've got some good recruits coming in. Um, these young kids, uh, hopefully will get a chance and develop. The Keyshawn Smiths of the world, the Michael Reddings, the Restrepos. They, they got to develop, I man. If they if they don't develop, they never should have been recruited. Um, the O line, I think, showed improvement this year. Is it a great O line? No. Um, did Rhett Lashley get burned way too often calling short yardage run plays? Yes. They still can't move people as well as they need to be able to. But they were much better in pass protection this year. They weren't giving up sacks. Um, I think Garen Justin was a great hire as an O-line coach. I think that's a position we can look at that we could say they got better this year. Um, 
I think with Will Mallory coming back at tight end and this Arroyo kid coming in as a recruit uh, who looks pretty good and, uh, you know, supposedly Mamorelli's got some potential, you know, I think we're still okay at at tight end. And, uh, you know, so I think there's a little bit more hope offensively than there is defensively, but, you know, do I feel like, like this is going anywhere towards a championship right now? No, I don't. And uh, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. So to answer your question, um, I think there's a much greater likelihood that in a couple years we're replacing Manny Diaz than we are extending him. Uh, but, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Okay. All right. Uh, okay. Also, do, do you think Blake James's uh, hiring of Manny was lazy? Oh, 100%. He didn't even do a coaching <laughs> search. He didn't even take five minutes to see who his candidates were. And that has nothing to do with Manny. Like, you know, you know, Manny deserved to be a candidate for this job, even though he had just taken the job at Temple. I mean, he deserved to be on the list. But you don't just hand them the job and pay Temple $4 million without going out and talking to other candidates and seeing who's interested in the job, seeing who you can hire, who will talk to you. I mean, I've never seen an athletic director like at, at a program like this do what Blake did. I mean, I'm sure it ha- it's happened before. I'm not paying that close attention to what everybody does, but like, you know, my God, that was like that was like redefining malpractice. Like, you can't, you know, <laughs> you can't do that here. Like that, if Manny doesn't make it, this program is set back six, seven years because of that decision that he made on that day. Because you're going to have to go through four years of Manny trying to learn how to do it, maybe five, and then you're going to have to bring somebody in who's going to have to get fix it for a year or two before you can even see, if you make that higher count, before you can even see that person's talent come to the forefront. So we'll see, man. I'm pulling for him, but I think it's a very tough place to try to learn to be a head coach. Yeah, I understand. Um, one more thing, in regards to Big James, when he was when Mark Wicks retired, I I I swore up and down that that Big uh, James would go after Mario Cristobal. That's who I wanted him to go after. But Blake has the thing that. has a thing against Mario Cristobal, and it's gonna it, it, it's gonna. It's going to be the, the, the black mark of his coaching career because that's the guy, in my opinion, that has the skill set and the whole portfolio for this program. And, you know, you just watch – look at what he's doing at Oregon. And, you know, they're not, they're not ready to, to be a playoff team yet. But, my God, I mean, he just went out and did back-to-back the best recruiting classes they've ever had at that school. And he got the best play – this year, during a pandemic – when kids couldn't even visit the damn school, he went out and signed the the best players in nine different states. I mean, do you know how ridiculous that is at Oregon? Wow. Got the number one rated player in nine different states to be part of their recruiting class, which ended up being, I think, fifth in the country in the rankings. Um I mean, he's recruiting better than they've ever recruited at that school. He's dominating the Pac-12. He's won back-to-back Pac-12 titles. You know, this year they dropped a couple games. They had a young quarterback that that really missed having a spring practice and just really struggled through a couple games, and, it, and they got caught in the fourth quarter of a couple games. Um, 
but they ended up winning the conference. They got a chance to play for the conference title, and they won. The, they won the big game, and now they're in the Fiesta Bowl this this next week. So, yeah, he's doing a phenomenal job out there while we're sitting here screwing around. Now, you take a guy that can recruit like that at Oregon, and you bring him to Miami, where you've got all this local talent, and picture getting the best local players, and then going out around the country and getting the nine best players in nine different states, and putting that all together here at the University of Miami, and very quickly, you're Clemson and Alabama again. So I don't know how the hell Blake James could look himself in the mirror turning his back on that to the point where he couldn't even have a conversation with that guy who's an alumnus of the university because he's still butthurt that he left the Al Golden staff and went to Alabama or whatever other reasons that Blake might have for not liking him. I, I just – I don't get how he how he can – he, he could have done that. I mean, it was malpractice, and I think he let the whole fan base down. But, you know, that's just my opinion, and, and I, I'm, I'm sure he's mad at me about it. But, like, you know, that's the truth. And and that was a failure for for this program to not even and, – and Mario, may, maybe he wouldn't come. Like, he, you couldn't hire Mario right this minute if you wanted to. He's got a $9 million buyout now because Oregon knows what they have, and they value what he what they have. And they just gave him a new contract. He didn't even take all the money for himself. Got extra money for his staff so he can hire the best coaches. They're going to improve facilities out there. And they don't want anybody to steal them. So they put a $9 million buyout on the contract for, for this next year. And then I think it's like $8 million the year after. Crazy, crazy, crazy. So all we'll right, see what yeah, happens. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so all right, so uh... I'll, I'll let someone else come on. Uh, thank you for allowing me to come on, and uh, happy holidays. And to all my Kane brethren out there, happy holidays and stay safe. All right, Kevin, happy New Year, man. Thanks for being part of the show. Let's go to the 352. You're on Kane Sport Live. Yeah, what's going on? Doing great. Who's this? This is Mike. What's up, Mike? Talk to us. What you got? Um, you know, to sum all this up, you know, uh, everybody know what's going on. All the Kings fans know what's happening. And the head of the snake is Blake James. You know, he 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 caused all this ruckus with Manny. Okay. Um, first off, let, let's go back to Blake with scheduling these big games, right? All right, we got Alabama off the bat next year. Here, here's my thing with that. I love that we schedule big games like this, but don't schedule big games like this if you're not going to invest in getting the right coach and the right staff to have this program on the right track, track to compete with these teams. See, you, you can't schedule these kind of games where you don't have the right coach in place to compete well, with these games. here's what I'll tell you on that. Number one, if you're Miami. It doesn't make sense. Okay, but if you're Miami, you got to schedule these games because if you if you're gonna stay relevant in college football, you can't do it just on an ACC schedule where you play nobody. Oh, okay. You know, you, okay, okay, that's that's the first that's the first thing you got to schedule. Number two, you're doing it a few years in advance. So, like, I don't think Blake James, when he scheduled Alabama, thought for one second that he wasn't gonna have a representative team that can go compete with Alabama. He's thinking he will. But back then, I think Mark Rick was still the coach. But, but Gary, here's the thing. Yeah, Rick was the coach, but Rick was burnt out. 
That's, that's yeah, the but, thing but, about it. But, but in, in, in defense of Blake, believe it or not, I'm going to defend Blake right now. He's not thinking Mark Rick's burnt out. He's thinking I got Mark Rick as my coach. Our program's on the upswing. We do, you know, I think he scheduled it in 2017. We 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 got we we got to 10 and 0 that year. Um, you know, we got a lot of breaks and got to 10 and 0. And he's thinking, uh, you know, we're on the way back and we're going to be ready for Alabama in 2021. And I'm scheduling them. We're going to have the, the showcase game to start the season. That's a smart athletic director. That's that. That's Blake putting on his smart hat. Like, you know, putting okay. us in the LSU, you know, the LSU game a couple of years ago was a great schedule, even though we got our butts kicked. The problem is the program's okay. got to got to do its thing. Gary, if he's so smart, why did he hire Manny Diaz? Well, well you're talking about two different things. That's not a smart no, thing. You're, you're talking different things here. You're, we're talking, you're talking two different subjects. Well, I mean, on one hand, we're talking scheduling, and on the other hand, you're talking now hiring. Two totally different yeah, things. Yeah, but, but you brought the word smart up. Okay, if he's I like smart, he's you're supposed to be smart like all the way around. That's, that's the one thing I like that he's really doing well. I like what he's doing with the schedule. Miami's got to be okay, in those games. Okay. okay, I get what you're saying, but I'm saying though, that's just like football, Gary. You can't you can't just have a good defense and a good offense in a, in a horrible special team. You got to be well rounded in all three phases. Okay, you said he's smart. If he's so smart, he would have never hired Manny Diaz. He would have went and did a coaching search, like most normal ADs do. And this beef he got with Mario, he need to kill that. That's pride. Let your damn pride go. We're trying to win now. Pride, pride would never get you nowhere. Just like Manny. Manny got to drop his pride and let somebody come in and take over that defense. Because you can't have it both ways. You, first off, you don't have a damn res, you don't have a resume. Mario won't be in the for a while. He's not. He's, Mario's not going to be hireable. Mario's not going to be in the conversation here for some time. If he ever I'm is not, again. I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm just making an example though. So let's go back to what you said about Manny when nobody worked for Manny. Okay, that's a big problem. If you got if if if, if nobody wants to come in and work in front of your head coach, that's a huge problem, Gary. You got to have somebody who's willing to come in and work for your head coach. If nobody wants to work for your head coach, what the hell are you there for? You well, have I mean, to bring him back. Manny got a break with Lashley. I mean, you know, Lashley was a guy having success at SMU and he needed a bigger stage and, and Manny was in the right place, right time there. And he got a break, you know, maybe the same thing could happen for him on defense too. We'll see. Okay. I'm not convinced he's giving that up though. We'll see. I'll believe it when I see it. Okay. But, okay. But we're throwing names out, right. That can come in and take over this program, but dang, how are we going to get somebody if Manny's going to never let them come in and, and, and do their own thing? So we're going to keep going to get the same. So, okay, let's say if we do get rid of Blake Baker. The only thing he's going to do is go out and get somebody else who's going to do the same thing Baker was doing. Yeah, that's yeah, the only thing he's going to do. He's going to, get, he's going to get a yes man. Yeah, so that's the thing about it. He's going to need no more yes men. Yep. No, that's a waste of time. So if, if, that's the case, if that's the case, he might as well keep Baker. Don't fire nobody. If you're going to go out and get the same thing that you got now, keep what you got now. Stay status quo. Don't change nothing. If you're gonna do it that way, because you, you just you just playing with the fans now, is all you're doing. You know that 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 makes no sense. That that's why Mark Rick stepped down. He didn't want to fire his son. See, we we, we keep we, it's a revolving door with this program. 
it's the same crap. Every three, four, five years, we fire a coach. Now, the only one who I said really was doing the right thing, but he got shafted was Shannon. At least Shannon was trying to make changes, trying to get the, the program right. But he got shafted by Shalala. She lied to him, you know. He got shafted. He got no one near support that the other coaches got, like Golden. And the only reason, the only reason Golden stayed as long as he did was because of that, that scandal. That's the only reason he stayed as long as he did. They had to kind of like so, somewhat massage him a little bit to make him feel better and give him another year or two because of that, because of the crap with Shapiro. Because if he hadn't been there for that Shapiro crap, he would have been going after probably year three. He would have been out of there. So that's the only reason he stayed as long as he did. But it's a revolving door with this program. Even if it starts from the top down, making bad decisions after bad decisions. Okay, let's go to the players on the field. You got the same crap. It's been going on since, since the beginning of the season. Players dropping balls, penalties. It's, yeah, it happens every game. It's every game the same thing happens. That's coaching. Your team is not prepared for games. That's coaching. These same players that we're talking about now, a lot of other, a lot of other teams wanted these same players. It's just like the guy said a couple, a couple of people before me. It's just head scratching that these players that other people want to come to Miami and they flame out. But when they go to Alabama, Clemson, and all the other places, they're all Americans. All Americans. But when they play for Miami, they never pan out. Now, you tell me what the problem is. Because it, it, it's not all the players are bad. You cannot tell me that. Miss me with those excuses. This not the players all the time. It's developing the players. They're not getting developed. You know why they're not getting developed? Because you got piss poor coaching. And the, and the piss poor coaching comes from the, from the management down. It starts from the top down. All these players are not bad. But that coaching they have is terrible. Even the fans see it. Even other teams, people who root against us, it's like, man, y'all got some bad coaches. Let's go back to Golden. Remember Florida State printing up those shirts, do not fire Golden, because they knew he was terrible. Jimbo, Jimbo, Jimbo was loving it. Remember when they fired him, he was like, oh, I don't think that fire was warranted. Yeah, I bet you don't think it was warranted, because you, can't, you, you, love, you love beating Golden, because you know that was an easy win. Everybody know it. It's like when they play Miami, it's like, it's, it's like a whale in the water. They can smell blood. Every time we play somebody with a post, we get our ass beat. I can take a loss, Gary, but it's just the way that we lose to these teams. We got teams setting set, set history against us. UNC set a, set, set a record against us. They're making history on us, Gary. Oklahoma State, even the commentator said last night, um, they said they have never seen that quarterback all season look as good as he looked last night. I just had to shake my head. The whole season said he's never played this good until last night. That receiver, true freshman, had one catch for the whole season, three touchdowns last night. Every time we play somebody again, we make it look like all-world beaters. You can't tell me that's the players all the time. That's coaching. Even the coaches on the other sideline know it's going to be an easy victory when they play us. It's, it's, it's sad. It's them got to the point now enough is enough. When, is, when are they going to stop, take a timeout, and look, sit back and say, hey, this is not working? 
Mm-hmm. We got we got sorry teams set the records against us. And the All team, right, man. Gary, this, this year was a disaster, Gary. This year was not a good. This year was a, this was a failure year. But everybody said this was a good year. Who did you beat? Name me the teams that you beat. Man, no, you. I mean, you're right in that regard. Yeah, was, you you know, beat we you were feeling pretty good about it for a while. Point, but you're right. You beat Virginia Tech by one point. You beat yeah. um, NC State what, by three points. You beat Virginia, I think, by two or three. I mean, you beat bad teams and you barely beat them. You had to yeah, struggle, okay. you had to claw and fight to beat those teams. All right, man. That's listen, I gotta let you run because I got, I got, I got about eight minutes to show, and I got four more guys that want to get on, so I got to give them a couple minutes each. Uh, thank you for being part of it, and uh, happy New Year to you. All right, guys, there's four of you on the board. I'm gonna try to get each of you on. Just t- try to take a minute or two each. Let's go to the nine five four. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary. This is JJ thirteen. Can you hear me? Yeah. What's up, JJ? Go ahead. Shoot. What you got? callers and I saw the game last night I was thinking <clears throat> I was looking at what are the top three controllables that Manny Diaz can focus on now during the off season. so you know just wouldn't run them by you the first thing I know you guys were talking about the defensive um, <clears throat> coaching issue he has to either retool the scheme altogether or hire somebody else they can't go with that 4-2-5 defense um so I wanted to get your take on it because I know you kept saying, "Well, if he no, I don't, I, I don't disagree with you that they're struggling with it for sure." But I just, I'm laughing because, like, he was hired here because that was the defense he was going to run. He, that's how he, be, that's how he came to Miami in the first place. So, you know, I agree they're struggling. Uh, the question is, why are they struggling? Are they struggling because of the scheme? Are they struggling because of the players aren't good enough? Are they struggling because the coaches aren't good enough? Um, I can't answer that question just off the top of my head. I'd have to get a lot of opinions on that. But, you know, we'll I mean, I, I from what know. I'm seeing, you know, and I'm, you know, just a fan watching the game, for, but from what I'm yeah. seeing, you know, I watched the game, the Kane games closely since uh, Mark Rip hired him. So I think teams have uh, figured out how to play him the last two years. Look at the last two years. They went way downhill compared to where they were. Yeah, but the talent, the talent level of the defense has gone way down too. You know, yeah, D'Onofrio and Golden blew it. You know, whatever, use whatever adjective you want. But they did recruit some some serviceable guys. You know, you, you look at some of the defensive players: the Joe Jacksons, the Jaquan Johnsons, the Sheldrick Redwines, the Rayshon Jenkins, who's now you know one of the top defensive players for the San Diego Chargers. I mean, there's some guys that we don't even think about, we don't even remember that they played here, that were pretty darn good players. That I think may, were making Manny's defense look very good in 2016 and 2017. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, one other thing, what about the wide receiver drop and about the punt returner? I don't understand. I played football for years. I don't understand how you can't field a football in a punt return team. So, you know, I know people have called for the head of Pecky, but what are they doing? I don't understand. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. They the game. Maybe they're not repping it enough on the practice field to where they're seeing who has drop problems. You know, I'm talking about the punt returns. I mean, everybody they've put back there has been dropping punts this year. I don't know the answer. Uh, you know, you would think that Miami would have an athlete or two that has proven in high school that they can catch punts and return them. And that goes back to the evaluation thing I talk about. You know, there's something breaking down somewhere. In terms of the drops, I mean, uh, 
you know, same deal. Like what guys come to college and suddenly they have bad hands. Um, they didn't have bad hands in high school. They had great hands in high school and now they get to college and the hands get bad. You know, I don't know, man. I, I just, there's things breaking down everywhere in my opinion. I'd have to research them extensively in each individual case. And maybe we'll do that here in the next month or two during the off season, we'll put some time into that and try to figure it out a little bit on some of these guys, but there's, there's definitely systematic breakdowns all throughout the program. All right, man. Hey, sorry. I got to let you run. I want to let a couple of these other guys get on tonight. Thanks for being part of the show and happy new year. Okay. Appreciate it. Yep. Sorry. It was tight, but we're here. We're at the end of the line here. Let's go to the five, four, zero. You're on Kane sport live. Hey Gary. How are you doing? Doing good. Who's this? Jason. What's up, Jason? What you got? Hey, uh, I'm just kind of surprised that everybody's talking about Manny Diaz making changes. I mean, it's, we're going to keep talking about him always making these changes. I I, I don't think he's going to uh, – I agree with what you said earlier. He, he's not going to lure some top defensive coordinator to come. I think if if I had to guess, like BK Hurricane said, it would be with circumstances causing guys to move on, and maybe maybe Manny would uh, take over the defense himself. Um, but I, I just don't. I just I just I'm dumbfounded by people thinking he's gonna. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't. I could see him taking over the defense himself before I see him bringing in a defensive coordinator that he doesn't have any authority over i just i have a hard time imagining yeah. that but we'll see maybe maybe you will i don't know yeah. i don't know but yeah. uh i do have a hard yeah. time imagining that i got a quick trivia question for you uh january Uh-oh. 2nd 2006 what what significance is that to miami football january 2000, 2nd 2000 2006 yeah um, I don't know what tell me. That was uh it was called uh Black Monday where uh Larry Coker was forced to get rid of Vernon Hargraves, Dan Werner. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. All yep. those guys. We have been and Miami high. football has not been the same has not been the same it's since that day. Right? It's yep. not been the same since. So I I don't wanna go too long, but when you look back at what the program when it hired the right people and had the right people in positions Besides the athletic director, who else needs to be in position in, in the power structure for this program to succeed again um, based on what you saw back then when Butch was hired and the program was built up the way it should be? Who else? Well, needs it's, to be? I mean, it starts with the head coach who's able to put together a coaching staff. You know, it's yeah, like it's like suddenly coach. suddenly when Butch wasn't the head coach anymore, the coaching staff that had been so great under Butch suddenly was considered not so great. And it and it really probably wasn't the coach. It was probably the fact that Coker just wasn't a head coach and lost control of everything. And uh, exactly. and you know you saw what happened. Everything fell apart. But yeah, Miami has not been the same since those coaches were fired. Anyway, man. Hey, thank you for being part of the show. And uh, right. sorry that date that date didn't read. I, I didn't put two and two together there when you <laughs> mentioned the date. But you're you're absolutely right. Black Monday it was, and it was a a very yeah. important date and no Miami has not been the same since have a great new year let's go to the uh, 973 you're on Kane Sport Live Gary 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 is Ross man listen um, oh man you're always coming on at the end of the show you got you got a minute Ross what you got I knew you had a show 
Did you say Come you on, one minute. Go. Don't waste your time complaining about that. What do you got? I just wanted to let you know, man. You, you, you snuck up on me. I, think I can't say nothing in one minute. I'm not wasting my time. I just wanted to let you know that was a waste of time tonight, man. All right, bye. All right, Ross. Happy New Year, man. Appreciate you. Uh, we'll we'll get you earlier next time. Let's go. Last call tonight, 727. Hey, Gary. It's Jake from St. Pete. Just, What's up, Jake? Uh, I, wanted to see, I had to flip off the show for about 30 minutes. I wanted to see, did anybody uh, congratulate Frank Gore on 16,000 yards this uh, this week? Nope. That's, you were the first uh, to I mean, do what so. A huge so. Milestone. That what really that? is, yeah. Yeah, no, you're the first to yeah. that. You're right. It's a great milestone. One, so what I want to mention, and I'll do this real quick, but I read an article on ESPN. He's 37 years old. He's playing for a winless team. He's the first person in the building and the last person out of the building almost every single day. You think Mark mm-hmm. Pope does that? Not yeah. a chance. That's our problem. I'll leave you that's with a, that. That's, that. That's a great point to end the show. <laughs> yep. I don't know that anybody does Nothing that, you're, and you're right. Those are the guys so. that want to win and, and, and want to have long careers, and congratulations yep. to Frank. All right, Jake, hey, happy new year, man. Happy New Year to you. We'll catch you next year. <laughs> all right, guys. Um, interesting show tonight. I hope you all enjoyed it. I want to wish everybody just a really, really happy New Year. Hopefully 2021 will bring uh, more improvement because I do think there was improvement this year. But we just need to have a lot more of it. So hopefully 2021 will bring more improvement. We'll see what happens. Um, we'll schedule another show when the events warrant it. And um, so keep an eye on Twitter and on the message boards at canesport.com. And for now, I'll say Happy New Year and good night, everybody.